Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. I'm Shang Peng, Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now. You can also find my work at MEC Sharks and on Twitter at Shang underscore Peng. And I'm Keegan McNally. You can find me on Twitter at halfwall underscore hockey at my website half-wallhockey.com or at San Jose Hockey Now. This week, Shang, what's going on this week? Things are just going great in uh, San Jose. The Sharks are 0, 10, and 1. <laughs> And so uh, to mark that occasion, we thought that it was about right to have a mailbag for everybody to vent and everybody to uh, just let it out, get it all out. Um, and anyway, I think uh, I think that uh, we all need this. You need this probably. Uh, the mm-hmm. fans, um, Keegan, you probably need this. I and need this. I probably could use this too, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, uh, we should have had, uh, we should have, we should be taking shots along with this too. Game uh, 11 into the season. So. <laughs> Definitely also need this. I feel like uh, a dejected, kind of like a, a dog that's been left at a pound for too long that mm. um, uh, needs to uh, get adopted or else it's going to just have those very sad puppy dog eyes. That's what I feel like every time <laughs> I watch the Sharks. Um <laughs> It's, uh, adoption it's in the form rough. of uh, a W. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I need that 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 one uh, the one win. Uh, B M W to pull into the adoption parking spot. I just need. I also just need to not be beaten by um, eight to nine goals every night. So oh, okay. Well, maybe two or three. Maybe two or one. Three. <laughs> maybe an overtime. I don't know. Anything. A shootout. I don't even care. Like just something that isn't uh, losing. This reminds um, me, actually, if if I can uh, uh, interject and also promote a colleague's work, uh, James Nichols of New Jersey Hockey Now, covering the Devils, great work. Uh, He asked me, he wanted to kind of get an update of uh, how Sharks are doing, uh, or I'm sorry, how (laughs) former Devils are doing uh, around, uh, you know, uh, around the league. And obviously the Sharks have a couple former Devils in Blackwood and Zetterland. And I told him this was, this was when the Sharks were 0-9-1, and one, but I think I wrote something like, well, imagine the Sharks didn't have Zetterlin and Blackwood. Blackwood is responsible for the lone point this season, 51-save game. And Blackwood, I'm sorry, Zetterlin leads the, the, the Sharks with three goals. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah, literally, we are being uh, ballooned by the cast-offs of the New Jersey Devils. That's <laughs> exactly. That one are. point <laughs> it came from New Jersey in the Timo Meyer trade. <laughs> Well, it's not Blackwood, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, um, that's that's very sad to think about. So this week we're doing a um, subscriber mailbag. Um, that's kind of the last time we did this. We had a lot of optimism. I think mm-hmm. we, we talked a lot about prospects. We talked about um, uh, shifting lines and like training camp predictions, all sorts of fun things. Um, this week it's going to be a little sad. I will say that up front. It's probably going to be very sad, but we will try and make it as uplifting as possible and give you some good answers to your question. I, I, I don't know how to make it uplifting, but... I don't know. Uh, smile and wave a lot. It'll be fine. Before we start, though, actually, I'm going to forget this at the end, so I'm just going to mention mm-hmm. it now. Um, so this is a, a subscriber mailbag. So there are a few uh, uh, users, commenters who drop questions, and I, I can't tell... In, in our system that if you're a subscriber or not. And so if you are a subscriber, like I said, the last time we did this, uh, let me know. You can uh, email me. You can me- message me on Twitter. You can do all kinds of ways to let me know that you are a subscriber. Um, and then I will answer the question. Keegan and I will answer your question personally, or we'll answer it on the next podcast episode. And so anyway, so for users whose, whose questions we will not get to, just get out this out of the way. Uh, T. Euchre. 
uh, trying to I was saying that to myself, say, making sure that that, that wasn't anything uh, off color that I shouldn't say on mm-hmm. the airs, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like like the Simpsons or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I see Wiener. Yeah, T. Euchre, T. Euchre <laughs> here, T. Euchre. <laughs> um, two Pauls, two different Pauls, according to their email addresses, and a Frank. So anyway, guys, uh, if you are indeed a subscriber, we missed your question. Sorry about that. Please let us know. Uh, but let's get to it. Yeah, and, and honestly, I think um, a couple of those people were going to answer your questions and other people's questions. That's true. Yes. And also apologies again to people who respond on Twitter. Um, have to respond on the, uh, the San Jose Hockey Network. It just makes it easier for us to figure out. So, yeah. <laughs> Like if you're a subscriber or not. <laughs> anyway, um, before, we, before we get into it, let's – just remember the the start of this season because I don't think it will hopefully ever get worse than this. The Sharks were, like you said, <laughs> 0, 10, 0 10 and one. Um, they start off the NHL record worst goal differential through eleven games in NHL history, um, which is <laughs> amazing, um, fantastic. And then they also um, had two back to back games where they let in ten goals, which has not happened since first time. Yeah. So I thought it was the fifties. Is it the sixties? 1965 was the Bruins. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then it's only happened four times total. So. Okay. And then the worst goal differential ever is. Through 11 games. Minus. I know I'm talking uh, for a full season is. Oh, I don't know. Minus 265. Wow. Which is the Washington Capitals in 1974, 75, the expansion Washington Capitals. And I believe the Sharks are on pace to uh, surpass that. <laughs> they are actually; they are on mm-hmm. pace uh, to surpass that. Um, and so let's not surpass that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, let's get into the questions and, and stop talking about how horrible the Sharks are, because a lot of these questions will be about because we're going to be horrible. doing a lot of that. On this <laughs> horrible episode. the Sharks are. All right, the first one is actually lighthearted and, and yes. kind of fun. Um, it, it comes from, uh, Alaskan ice, um, Shangan Keegan. Thank you, Alaska, for your positivity through all this, through all these years. Always positive. <laughs> Always, Always positive. positive. Always positive. Very, very nice. Um, you both do this stuff. It's a job, but as hockey guys, have you ever had a geek out moment during your interviews? Is it hard at times to stop being a fan and looking at this as work? Ooh. Well, <laughs> Shang, why don't you start? Uh, Cause okay. you, you, so full disclosure, I do this, um, uh, as kind of like a side job. I do have my own um, uh, job as well, um, but I do view this in he some has ways a real as job. work. I have a real big boy job, <laughs> um, but I do this as well for uh, uh, as a job as well. But so. you have actually, your experiences might be, I'll get to mine in a second, but your experiences mm-hmm. might be actually uh, fresher because you just did your first NHL draft, right? Which was also yeah. your first, I think, NHL event, like from a... Uh, media perspective yep 100%. and um yeah uh, uh also too uh since you've been on the podcast we've had mm-hmm. uh we had a family reunion with scott hannon and so all kinds of yeah. cool stuff and so i would like to hear your your perspective i'll just go with mine i've had a number mm-hmm. of those moments i'll say i mean just like walking by wayne gretzky is still kind of like oh it's wayne gretzky that's unbelievable <laughs> but uh <laughs> one of my favorite stories to tell though is um when I was covering uh, the Vegas uh, Golden Knights, their first expansion year, and the Golden Knights got off to a, to a quick start. And I thought that well, this was like very early in the season. This might have been like 15 games in the season. And at that time, the best expansion team in history was the 1993-94 Florida Panthers, like with 
73 points or something like that. Nothing mm-hmm. really amazing, but like, you know, 500 ish or, or close, mm-hmm. which is pretty great for a expansion team. Obviously, sure. if you look at the Sharks uh, or the Washington Capitals from 1974, 75 that I've talked about, expansion teams were rotten. They were awful before. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I thought it'd be a cool story to talk to, uh, to talk to uh, somebody from, from that Panthers team. Uh, somebody that um, important on that team, just to kind of talk about the vibe of that team, how that team, you know, what kind of players they 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 uh, they targeted in the expansion draft, that sort of thing, right? And so the top of that food chain was Bobby Clark, who obviously a Philadelphia Flyers great and also a longtime uh, Flyers executive GM, but at the time though he was the Panthers GM. And so anyway, I just shot off an email to uh, Zach Hill, who Flyers PR, um, who I think recently retired. I had to give a give give a shout out to him because, you know, I was a nobody writing for Hockey Buzz. Uh, my first NHL uh, beat, the Golden Knights 2017-18. Is, is, is that the Eklund one? Yes, it is that. Yeah, yeah. You didn't know that I wrote for them. (laughs) I didn't actually. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I I actually Um, love to pick your brain about that at some time. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, anyway, not not. (laughs) (laughs) It's yeah. There, there, there were there, there were uh, pauses and negatives of that experience. Oh, I know. Leave it at that. (laughs) Um, But uh, anyway, though. So I'm I'm literally you know. 15 games into uh, in, into uh, covering the Golden Knights, and I have this story idea, and I I'm always ambitious, so I was, I'm gonna try to to see if I can get get Clark, and so I wrote to Flyers PR, mm-hmm. and I didn't think anything of it. I figured that they wouldn't even get back to me, sure. and the next morning I get a call. I'm woken up by a call, and I don't know the number. I pick up and person on the lines hey uh sheng this is bobby clark hmm? cool <laughs> and <laughs> uh, growing up as, as a kid um i'm i i i wasn't a kid when bobby played but um as a kid though i remember bobby clark as the gm of the flyers all the eric lindros drama right sure. drafting eric lindros too um and so also obviously a hall of famer and a legend and so i I just thought that was so cool of uh of zach hill to just hook that up i mean he is like the flyers legend too and just sure just just call shang this is this is a valid uh topic to talk you know basically you tell them what you want to talk about it's not just like i'm shang peng and i want to talk to bobby clark it's you 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 tell them you you always try to kind of present why kind of like just what the t- what, why this guy should talk to you you know why should mm-hmm. bobby clark talk to you and what did help is that uh, bobby had a close relationship with george mcphee who was the gm the, you know, sure. the architect of the of the expansion golden Knights. so i think that i think that bobby was happy to sort of sort of uh, pump george's tires mm-hmm. up a bit and so anyway that's my story what do you got i mean that's awesome i um I follow up your legend with one legend, which is mm-hmm. um, it was Patrick Marlowe's. And I think that's the um, when we, we interviewed Marlowe at the draft. Oh, um, yeah, we did just, it live, too. So you met him. Yeah, we did it. We did it live. I met him. It was just the I don't know, because I, I grew up a Sharks fan. I basically just was watching Patrick Marlowe's face every single night and sure. giving postgame interviews, seeing him score however many goals to the Sharks. And then just to see him in person going like a normal dude and having the exact <laughs> same expression that Patrick Marlowe always has, which I don't know how to, it's kind of like, but like 
<laughs> you know, it was just a little bit like a little half smile, like a yeah. little frown. It's like a smile frown at one. Time. Anyway, it was just the coolest thing. Was like walking up and interviewing Patrick. I, I just like was like, oh, OK, yeah, this is like the the moment where I was like, oh, shoot, I'm uh, interviewing NHL players. This is a this is a real thing um, for me. Um, so that that was it. Like, obviously, seeing Scott again was awesome. Um, and uh, just getting more plugged into the hockey world has been fantastic over the past couple months. So happy to happy to keep doing it because it's like, I don't know, it's the part that makes this all fun, including watching the Sharks be the worst team in the entire <laughs> world. Not bad for a side job. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not bad for a side job. Um, and we get to create great content for everybody. So, all right. Uh, thank you, Alaska Nice. You're always very nice and very you comment on all our stuff and it's very nice. Uh, Gary too, uh, is the next one. Gary who also comments on a lot of stuff too. So thank you also for your positivity, Gary. <laughs> yep. Hi, Shane Keegan. We seem to be seeing less high skill moves from hurdle these last couple of years. Some of the moves he used to pull off, like shake and spin off defenders Deeks, he made like four years ago. were a joy to watch. Is this more of like a physical aging thing related to hurdle or mental? He's more worried now not to like tweak the wrong way or, or, or not playing the right way and costing the team um do i collect hockey cards so it's two questions no i don't collect <laughs> hockey cards but we'll uh sadly i have a few but but not a lot i have a scott, yeah, Hannon, a scott Hannon one yeah <laughs> i do um but no not a lot um and uh uh yeah let's let's talk about hurdle a little bit because i kind of agree with this question i feel like maybe he is kind of lost a step and that's the the tagline is is hurdle slowing down mm-hmm <laughs> Um, I mean, I guess if we're comparing to like four or five years ago, maybe, uh, it's hard to say though, because the team is so bad and there's so much on his shoulders that it's hard to say because in past years, he's had Timo Meyer to help with space, Evander Kane to help with, you know, just Mm -hmm. somebody else, a threat of hurdles caliber or better like Timo was on his line. And before Evander, you had the. He was on 2018-19 Sharks, which obviously was loaded top uh, top to bottom. Uh, this year, he has Anthony Duclair, who at least I thought Anthony actually was one of the few Sharks game. with a pulse yep. <laughs> against uh, the Penguins. But in general, though, uh, Duclair hasn't been very good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what? Zetterlin, who has has three goals, but we, we know shouldn't be on a, a first-line winger on an NHL team. Uh, Mike Hoffman yesterday, who is honestly looks like a shadow of, of the Mike Hoffman that we knew before, to be honest. Um, so hurdle is basically, it's kind of like, here's the puck. If you want to score, you got to be Jack Eichel. You got to be Connor McDavid. (laughs) Hurdle can't, isn't quite going to be able to do that. And so I guess what I'm saying is that I, I'm going to pass. Uh, I'm going to reserve a little judgment uh, on hurdle. Just give it a little time. There's been a couple mm-hmm. plays he's made where he's shown some moves and, and he's made a lot of pretty good lead passes to guys this year to that led to goals. And um, so I'm going to, I'm I'm going to, to, to uh, reserve judgment. It's a good question though. It's a very fair question. Yep. Um, yeah. And uh, I, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I think we can, tackle it a little later in the season or, or end of the season but i'm i'm going to be curious to see how he does he's one of those guys I, I highly suspect and i could be wrong because there are guys i say this about like like Mero ferraro who um mm-hmm. again is in a bad situation i mean 
a worse situation this year with the Sharks, and he's, and he's not playing better than it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to make excuses for him that way. He's not playing better in the situation, but uh, Hurdle's the kind of guy that I, I think chances are if he's on a better team, he's going to look a lot better. Like not one of those like, yeah. like of course anyone will look better on a better team, but he will look like markedly better, and mm-hmm. then you'll understand why he is worth eight million to somebody. Maybe not the yeah. Sharks that can't surround them with any help right now, but uh, for a team that can pair him up with a good winger. Um, then he'll, he'll look, he'll, he'll, he'll look the part. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's, that's what I suspect from what I've seen of him this year. Uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, well, if we can, uh, talk about, uh, talk I, about uh, it later. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't know. He does seem a little, a little slower. I don't know if it's actually real or if it's more <laughs> mental slash the team is bad slash mm-hmm. it's hard for them to push play, but you're right. If you put hurdle on like Boston or Edmonton or like, a true contending. Team, I think so. Look fantastic. I, I mean, think. look. I mean, I, 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 not to use a, a Hoffman as sort of the whipping boy, but mm-hmm. if you put Hoffman on a better team, I don't know if you're going to get much better results. He just not isn't really. the guy he used to be. Unfortunately, he can still shoot the hell out of the puck, but that is kind mm-hmm. of uh, seems to be about. You can move the puck. He, you know, his passing's not. He, he, he can, he can, he can make a couple mm-hmm. nice passes here and there too. But just overall, though, just. He, he isn't who, who he used to be. So you put him somewhere else. I don't know if it's going to make a huge difference. But Hurdle, I think I, I think so. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, all right, next one comes from Embrace the Rebuild. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, we're fully on it. Um, thank you for doing the podcast, The Mailbag. Really appreciate it. Um, Sharks run course for nine points this season. True. But hopefully they end up with a little bit more. If someone offered you a bet on the Sharks finishing the season with 34.5 points, would you take the over or the They're under? They're actually on pace for less than nine points now because that question was yeah. written when they had 10, when they had like 10 or nine, nine games in. So now they're on pace for like seven and a half points or something. <laughs> seven I, I personally am just so used to the Sharks having somewhere between 50 or between like 60, 70 points in these bad years that I just, I cannot see them getting 34 and a half. I know they're worse, markedly worse. I think I'd go with the over if somebody offered me the bet. I think they're. Gonna it, it's happened before, games. though. Let's, 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 uh, of course, mm-hmm. this was before the overtime uh, loss, you know, the loser point. But yeah. uh, the 1992 93 Sharks, I think, had 24 points. That's the second mm-hmm. lowest total. They were tied with Ottawa that year, actually, in the Oof. race for Alexander Dagg. Um, and then the uh, worst team, of course, is the aforementioned Capitals that had 21 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, um in 1974 75 so i agree with you that the sharks will be better i you know maybe maybe i'm just in in like another galaxy with this but like i i look at this team and i just don't think they should be this bad i mean bad yes i understand but like this bad and um we'll we'll i guess we'll we'll we'll, we'll see i mean I, there's gonna be a point where i keep watching this shit and i was just like okay fine you guys <laughs> they're horrible this team, is, yeah. this team is like this team is unredeemable um so i'm still gonna take the over yeah okay so still the over I, I'm gonna take worth over, noting yeah. worth noting the the athletic that does point projection models and stuff they're not 100 accurate but i think they're at like 53 55 points for the sharks at the end of the year somewhere between 53 and 58 but this was before Even, the season though right no they update them daily so like they, <laughs> they update every oh so. four sharks okay <laughs> yeah so what did it current. start at what did it start at uh must have been Actually, in the 60s no right probably was in the 60s yeah. Yeah, yeah they were were predicted to be the worst um so 
And Chicago is predicted to be the second worst. So coming right for our lottery win is the Chicago. But Bulldogs. yeah, I, I, again, you know, we talked about this, I think the last podcast with the Sharks, mm-hmm. Mike Greer obviously took on a lot of big, or not big bets, but he took on a lot of bets with veteran guys that have had down seasons, Duclair, Hoffman, Granlin, et cetera, et cetera. And right. you and I all off season, we kind of talked up, well, if a couple of these guys hit, we assumed a couple of these guys would hit. We never, yeah. we never uh, uh, imagine a scenario where every single one of them, at least right now, uh, uh, would bomb. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of it doesn't make any sense, but um, yeah, I, I honestly think it might just be that the team is fundamentally broken from from the back end first. I think they just sure. cannot find a way. <laughs> Um, to move the puck, and but it's also it, the 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 forwards too, right? The forecheck yeah. is, is all. It's all, you know. Terrible. It's it's all it's all it's all a circle. It's it are, everything's connected. It's not just mm-hmm. it's not just one thing. We've seen like uh, at least no name ish defenses do do okay. At least competent. And mm-hmm. um, I I feel like there's I do feel like there's a just uh, there's enough talent to be uh, not like this at least not twenty to three over the last two games. Um, so yeah. Speaking of dudes that they took swings on and then um, are going to try and hopefully trade them for future pieces, the mm-hmm. second question for Embrace the Rebuild is, are there any players in the roster you still see as fetching a reasonable return, given how terrible the Sharks have started? Um, uh, shit. I don't know. Maybe we turn Jacob McDonald into like a 35-point defenseman and, and we get like... Uh, well, Yeah. You never know. Only one game, so out of him, one good game out of him. But uh, the the magic eight ball says doubtful uh, for Mm. me right now. Um, But uh, I'm gonna take a quick quick look at 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 this though. Some of their UFAs Um, right now. You're not trading Ruda or Granlin. I think someone asked that another question. But I mean, they have two years left, and 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 they've not done much much so far. So yeah, to prove Um, worth trading. So LeBanc has zero points. Constant healthy scratch. Hoffman has. One assist, maybe. I'm not even sure. Um, Duclair has two goals. (laughs) I think Duclair will fetch something. I think he's still got enough juice in the. Maybe he's had he's had he's had a couple of good games at least. So what did they did they give up like a fifth for him or something? They gave up a fifth and Stephen Lawrence. Yeah. So are we even going to recoup our loss on Duclair? That's no. I don't. I I, right now I would say no. Maybe you get that fifth back, but you don't get a you know a solid grinder type like like Lawrence back. Uh, Okay, let's get the other UFAs here. Uh, You know Ryan Carpenter. I mean, maybe someone needs some death, but that's like a seventh Mm -hmm. round pick or something like that. Um, Jacob McDonald. uh, The Jacob McDonald uh, uh, experiment here. So yeah, sure. Why not? Great idea. Uh, (laughs) I guess Koppel. Koppel has played pretty well uh, uh, when. When mm-hmm. his team hasn't been letting him take headshots, I guess, right? And so, yeah. uh, so Coppo, Coppo can keep up sort of. Uh, I know his high danger, uh, has been pretty strong, say, percentage to start the season. Mm-hmm. So, I think as insurance guys, obviously, no one's gonna uh, take him at least right now. I mean, he's not even the Sharks' number one guy. Um, so no yeah. one's gonna take him as the number one guy, but can he be a good insurance guy? And maybe a team trades you a fourth rounder, maybe. Um, oh, I didn't uh, even realize how, how horrible the last two games ruined the. the oh, yeah, for sure. For, for sure. Both. They ruined both, the goal save expected. Yeah, you? they're both at 0.87. Well, Cop was 0.876 and Black was 0.879. So in the season now because of the last two games. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, anyway. Welcome. But, yeah, okay, keep, yeah. Welcome to the history to the will be made. Tank. So yeah. So good job. Um, uh, 
Um, I'm just curious though. Yeah, yeah, they also have sunk below. They were at the nine game mark, both positive goals saved above mm-hmm. expected, but now they're below, which makes sense. Yeah, because at a certain yeah. point, yeah, uh, <laughs> you keep giving up goals, mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna drop your ban off. No, everyone has to come back from injury. Maybe yeah, he, he has to be good. Something. But yeah, good. I honestly, and I've I've said this before. I mean, uh, I, I I I had questions about his game when he was producing. I know some people. I know you like him more, um, but I don't see a team giving up a second round pick or whatever for him. And obviously yeah. not right now when uh, he has not done anything this year. But um, I think maybe he comes back and he's, that, and he's like, productive. Yeah, that are actually valuable to to competing teams and. Maybe Duclair in like a third line role would be valuable. Maybe sure um, for possibly. a team that's lacking wingers. Um, but he's also like he's a little expensive. Yeah, and that's the one position that is like the you get the least return from is is one dimensional winger. That's like yeah. the one thing that you don't get that much money from. So that's what I, that's much. what I say about Barabanov and LeBanc, and I they can produce fifty points, but they not. That I suspect valuable. they'll get some draft picks at the deadline, but I don't think it's going to be who? anything major. Honestly, for who, though? Somebody. <laughs> I'm looking at this. I'm looking at how they play this year. At this rate, they will get nothing. Maybe Kakinen, I guess, at this rate. And I, mm-hmm. we assume that people will improve. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, I one, mean, the, one good the, game from Duclair erased all my doubts. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the guys that maybe you can get something for, like, they're young enough that you may not want to trade. Guys like Zetterlin and stuff like that, right? Yeah, or, no, we're not. I don't think I mean, should. I mean, Sturm. Sturm is just throws his hands at this and just like, get me out of here. <laughs> like, you yeah, can maybe. get something for Sturm, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah. He also has zero points in the year. And Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, or a guy like Benning, who's on the IR now, but uh, if he's healthy and he starts, he starts to, to kind of, I, I again a lot of these guys like I don't I don't care what's happened this year. I, I very strongly believe that Matt Benning is a very good bottom pairing defenseman. He shouldn't he's be in the, the top four on the shark. He shouldn't yeah, he so he, yeah, and so that exposes him. But on a on a winning mm-hmm. team, on a playoff team, he you'll be very happy with him on your bottom pairing. Yeah. Uh Nico Sturm, I don't care if he has zero points. On a winning team, you'll be thrilled to have him as your four C. Um yeah. and sometimes you just gotta get guys out of these awful situations are making them look bad. So I, and I think yeah. that's, that's the case with those guys, but anyway, answer the question. No, no, nothing. The sharks have nothing of value right now. So put me on, <laughs> but give it like 20 games. Maybe we maybe somebody up and also J- Jacob McDonald hype train. This is it. <laughs> uh, all right. Lizbeth uh, DeSelm says a couple questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll go with the first one. How bad is Couture's injury? The way DQ talked about saving players for the, from themselves. Sounds like it'd be a very challenging year for them getting on the ice. You're talking about bending. Um, maybe we can keep them. We'll off keep it with Kator. We'll keep it with yeah. Kator. But uh, sure. uh, with with Kator, I think the problem is his injury is one of. I, I don't actually. I still haven't identified exactly what it is, but we all highly suspect it's a groin, kind of like what what Carlson had. Maybe not exactly the same thing, but it's kind of thing that has. It's super. It is very unpredictable. Uh, if if we remember with Eric Carlson, he came back and then he left after a couple games, he left again. He didn't come back until near the playoffs. Right. Uh, with his groin injury. So I'm not, mm-hmm. if that, if that is what Couture has, um, then that's the kind of thing. That's a lot of starts and stops, a lot of feeling better, but then you're not feeling better. Um, and so it's hard to say. And which is why uh, I will trumpet the, the, one of the, the few uh, bold predictions that unfortunately uh, will may end up be true is I said that uh, Couture 
might not play till December. And it's yep. looking like if he makes it to that, that that's actually going to be good news for the Sharks at this rate. Um, so, yeah, so how bad is it? It's hard to say. Uh, I don't think that they're going to hold him off for the season or anything like that. But um, I do believe that he wants to play. And I I, I, I can't believe even – I know, I know people want to avoid this trash, this, this tire fire, but – but I can't believe him as a captain uh, can be taking this well, that mm-hmm. they're losing the way they are, that it's 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 just a bad, it's just a, a, a hit on everybody, everybody's uh, reputation and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, I'm sure he wants to come back. But um, anyway, so. Yeah. yeah, that is a good prediction. I, I, but yeah, I don't know. I, I do think the Sharks do miss him. Um, yeah, well, and, and undoubtedly, right. undoubtedly, undoubtedly. I, yeah. I, I think he can't be looking at this team and just being like, "He's hurt. He's hurt." You know, he's not like yeah. just not coming back because you can't, as the captain of this team, you can't just be sitting around and being like, "Oh, if I could only play," and secretly is able to play. No, no, like if, he's, no. if he's if he's if he's able, no. he's going to come out, but no. he he can't. So I think you're right. I think it's a little bit worse than they let on, or or it's just you know one of them nagging injuries that's just hard to nail down. It's non-surgical, but it's yeah. You know, you need different types of rests. So anyway, okay, Elizabeth, um, thank you for your question. Your second question is: Is it too early to look at the 2024 draft class, and is Celebrini that good? Yeah, it's definitely uh, not too early, but I'll give you the Celebrini question to answer. Yeah, we were we were giggling a bit at the is it too early to look at the 2024 draft class yeah, because it's not too early <laughs> it's not too early and also every single fan i think is is looking at it like, but no but again though, yeah yeah we're all looking um, yeah a sharks fans at least because yeah. man um is celebrini that good i would say this is going to be controversial probably not mm. probably not what you're thinking celebrini is in terms of you know, he's Bedard, he's Crosby, he's McDavid, mm. he's those things that like... Is he man, ja- even Jack Hill- Hughes? <laughs> no, um, I don't think so. I think he's more like Jack Eichel, um, more of that kind okay. of caliber. Of, it's and not, it's not like he's he's still going to be, I think, a number one center in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And okay. that's like the most valuable thing that your team can have. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, is he worth giving up 10 goals every night and like watching your team be this horrible to only have a quarter percent, a quarter of a chance to get him. Should have done this last year. So yeah. Should have done it last year is 25% chance to even get him. And he's not like, like he's very good. And he's like got a goal per game in the NCAA, which is amazing for a freshman. He's only 17. He turns turns 18 in June. So he's very young. He's killing the NCAA. He killed uh, last year in juniors, but it's not like, he doesn't have that same like um, dynamic skill and he has a lot of skill, but it's not like the same generational talent level that you saw last year. And everybody, every time that there is that kind of thing, like the next year they're like, Oh, this guy's just like Bedard. And it's like, no, or this guy's just like David or this guy's just like Crosby or, or whatever. Very, very rare for that to actually be the case. Only when it happened. Celebrini was- would be, in the conversation for number two pick of, la- of last year's draft, I think so. I think that's in the conversation, very like in the Fantilli, Carl, I think that's, Spin, Will I think Smith, that's reasonable. Tier. Okay, just curious. Okay. Um, I think he's above Will Smith, mm-hmm. um, very clearly. Um, I he's probably near the the level of the Fantilli, but Fantilli also, you know, dominated college last year. Mm-hmm. Um, had a little bit more of that like competitive um in your face aggressiveness that yeah. um 
Celebrini may not have all of. Celebrini is aggressive with like the way that he he plays and he does um, aggressively shoot the puck and he's he's trying to get into shooting positions a lot, but it's not like I don't know Cele- or Fantilli. Sometimes it was like going to put the team on my back kind of thing that I think mm-hmm. that Celebrini is still developing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, obviously, I have many good things to say about Celebrini. I think he is definitely worth the number one overall pick this year for sure. But it's not like 2024 is the amazing draft class that that 2023 was, Mm -hmm. I think. So uh, is he this good? He's good. uh, But I don't think overall this draft class is worth um, selling or or having your team be bad. Is he worth a goal differential of minus? I was doing the math. 42. Sharks on pace for... A minus 321 goal differential, I think, if I if my math is correct here. So. Yeah. And, and <laughs> is it worth like, that? Probably not. <laughs> no, no one you is want worth to, it. But you don't get extra, like we, we talked about this before, you don't get extra points for being worse than the last overall. Like you don't get worse, like you don't get extra points for being. That would be awesome. The more goals you give up, the more lottery balls It'd be you amazing. <laughs> we should pitch that to, to Gary Benton, but then teams would just tank even worse. But um so there's still only a 25% chance, even if we get last place, that we're going to get Celebrini. So I don't know. Is it, is it worth it to be like begging or hoping for Celebrini? I don't think so. Also, I was so disappointed last year in not getting Bedard that I don't want to repeat that as well. Um, See, the Blackhawks get the number one pick again. So Yeah, no, not just that. There was Blackhawks, noted team with, with zero scandals uh, attached <sighs> around the team. There was one play where Jonathan Taves had a breakaway to end the game to give them the one point they needed to buy, get over the Sharks, and he missed it. You and can't like say that. Game. <laughs> you can't say that Taves didn't lead him to the end. So <laughs> Taves led him to getting Bedard, or else exactly. the Sharks would. I mean, lottery balls, what they are, they would have bounced differently. You know, butterfly wings, etc. Um, you know, like if a wing, a butterfly flaps its wings and like Niagara Falls, it it, it affects the stock market in new york kind of hey, john and taze misses a breakaway <laughs> anyway point is is celebrating that good he's very good but don't like hold out all your hopes because there's only a 25 percent chance anyway don't worship yeah. false idols okay don't worship <laughs> yes worship bedard instead um, <laughs> all right chris boucher lamb um this one's kind of a longer question we can just stick um, with the classic part <laughs> yeah yeah it's basically has Vlasic's time come to an end in San Jose? And should the Sharks buy him out this summer? And should the Sharks uh, and I also want to say hi to Chris. Uh, thank you for coming to the draft lottery party with your uh, with your fiance. I'm sorry that things ended as they did in the draft lottery for the Sharks. But uh, anyway, no, thank you for coming. It was a pleasure to to uh, to meet you guys. Um, so okay, so with with uh, with Vlasic, um, in terms of just his general play, it, he very well could be at the end of it, or he can have a little bounce back like he did last year. It's hard to say. So in the season, the team is so, so awful that I, I don't want to just say it's just one guy being, being done. Um, it could just be everyone looking bad because the team is bad right now, but they can play themselves into some respectability um so but in terms of buying plastic alto um so the sharks seem to have 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 they want to open up space right uh for mm-hmm. uh uh for the post carlson era and and whatnot right and the contracts they took on for carlson and also the fact they retained so little uh the contracts they took on were all one or two year contracts right and so why buy out plastic uh, i don't know you know unless unless he 
unless he's so like toxic in the locker room, which I, I don't really see. Um, sure. And so I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I don't really see the point in buying him out because if you buy him out this, this summer, what do you buy him out for? What do you need that cap space for? Mm-hmm. The team, you're, you're not planning to be, be any good. Um, so I think you only buy him out at a point when you, think the team can take the next step uh or you're you're close to that or you want to do that right because i know that after the 2021 22 season i i I was strongly in favor of buying off vlasic because not that i agree with the sharks plan but i thought that they were after they signed re-signed tom ochardo that they were trying to trying to to win still they're trying to make an effort to win and so what do you need to win well you need cap space and the only logical place to get cap space was to take an awful buyout but Nonetheless, though, uh, would have cleared uh, media cap space uh, to surround uh, Tom Ashurdo uh, with a, with a, with a, with a team. Um, but Mike Rear came came in. Seems to be a different uh, different marching orders. He's doing something different. And in that scenario, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see the the the, the purpose in buying off plastic. Well, again, what do you need a cap space for? I agree. I um I don't think there's a reason to buy him out. You can bury him if you. Mm-hmm feel like he's so bad on the ice that you don't you want him you know in the ahl and the NHL, you can wave him yeah um and bury him and you still save like a million there so you can just replace him with a million dollar defenseman which is basically what he is right and now. i'll add to that because people yeah. i think i've read that people are saying oh well uh cat space is valuable you can still take on bad contracts and whatever and get traffic yeah mm-hmm. that, that's true but the sharks should have a lot of cat space in general they don't need the they don't need to buy a plastic and 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 yep. stretch out the penalty because they're going to have cat space regardless it looks like so yeah and it, I think people just want a new, a new face and not have to look at at Vlasic being terrible every night. Um, but it's not the reason to buy him out. You just kind of hold it out and um, wave him if you need to. Um, and then maybe who knows? There's like a gentleman's agreement where he has like a, a wink, wink, um, equipment allergy that he can't play for the last <laughs> two years of his contract. Honestly, that happens on constantly in the NHL when a player is so gets a little bit older and they can't. They can't play anymore, but they still have like three, four years and they're left on their deal. Team will pay them basically to to sit on the bench, but put them on LTIR. So yeah. honestly, it, 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 you know, it's credit to, to Vlasic for staying as in shape as he is. He just doesn't get injured very frequently. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, yeah. So it, it's, but you know, it might be one of those things where eventually that's the route that they take. Trade them to the Tampa Bay Lightning next year. So. <laughs> yeah, or they, you know, the the graveyard of the Arizona Coyotes when they were yeah. still stacking up ltir bodies but that that could be a possibility too so i think buying him out seems a little short-sighted for no real gain yeah no real gain exactly yeah. that's all right we're gonna go a little quicker bring back celebrini which i appreciate the name um <laughs> celebrini is worth it no i'm kidding famously Shang, junior shark <laughs> famous junior shark yes shang and keegan this one's long thank you for everything you two do Hopefully it's a fun exercise. Seeing that GM Mike Greer has eight expiring deals at forward, four at D, one at goaltender. Who do you resign? Um, anyone um, traded net back picks and not saying that fills out. Yeah, who's worth resigning? Yeah, so that, that's, all, that's all we need to worry about. Yeah. Yeah, who's worth resigning um, out of and our then, eight and expiring then, deals? And then uh, another question that bringing back Celebrini had uh, is essentially. Um, uh, look, looking at the UFA uh, class mm-hmm. for next year, and you know, would it be sensible for the Sharks to to sign anybody? Uh, given that, um, in bringing back Celebrini's uh, opinion that the rebuild take five years. So, uh, anyway, sure. um, to take on the first one, uh, who is worth uh, resigning? Jacob um, McDonald. 
<laughs> yeah, Metro. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> um, hmm. Hmm. Maybe nobody, <laughs> but honestly, um, hopefully Zadina. Zadina's not uh, had has has had a rough time in the last few games, but once again, the team hasn't been very good, and he, I think, is kind of riding the the downward wave of that too. Um, he is a player that I maybe yeah, uh, but mm-hmm. but Zadina's a guy that's a, a young guy that really. Uh, takes things hard, I think, and and I think he is a guy that is doing too much. But he's young though, and that's what very young players tend tend to do. So I'm not I'm not killing him for it. But uh, hopefully, though, again, this is going to be a learning season for a lot of these guys. So if they can get Zadina up to shape, that 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 uh, uh, that he's signable, that he is maybe uh, more consistent mentally that he's not in his own way kind of his talent is clear i, I like his talent we've all seen it i know people are, are harping on uh, on david quinn to promote him up in the lines but the problem is the other stuff is, is is short it's not just pure talent pure effort which he does give uh or pure skill it's also defensive uh um defensive uh, acuity it's also uh, just not taking up too much on yourself offensively, not doing things that you, you really shouldn't be doing just because you're trying to make a difference. Um, and so hopefully he's a guy though, that, that, that's right there. Um, I don't hate Luke Kunin like, like a lot of people seem to. And so I, I know a lot of people like him around the league. So if the Sharks were to let him go, I don't know if you're getting that third round pick back and his contract is, 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 is weighted and it should be, but he, he would, I think go to a winning team pretty quickly and, and show mm-hmm. some value on that winning team. Uh, Anthony Duclair, maybe just because one thing I have liked about Duclair is um, his sort of, uh, he seems to be a, a good locker room uh, presence, but just he's, he seems to be positive. He's trying to bring energy, um, and I think that's just his personality. And so he might be a guy who might be a good fit for for a rebuild if he wants to be a part of it, which I'm not sure if he wants to be. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, if he wanted to be, then uh, then he might be a, a good call to uh, to bring back. Um, you know, Emerson, Ahotiak, younger, so we'll see. I think Capo, we're going to see uh, how his season ends up. Um, Barrett Bonoff, I've had this, I think we've talked about this on the podcast. I'm just not sure what, what, what Alex brings besides some offensive production. And yes, you do need players for, for your sure. William Eklund's to play with and whatever. So maybe for that reason, bring him back. But um, um, I still find his, his value to be mostly on the offensive side and that's pretty much it. And so I'm kind of on the mind of, eh, you know, uh, if you can get something for him at a trade deadline or I don't know, just not a, he's not a must sign in, in, in my mind. So mm-hmm. I think the, honestly, the only one I would, I would take is, is Emerson and, and it's okay. not just cause like Emerson is amazing. Actually, I think his, his benching was pretty, pretty warranted. Oh, it was. Yeah. Benched. Yeah. He was not very he, good in that game. He yeah. did not have a good game. I think his other I mean, a lot of people were it. bad, but yeah. Emerson had a very bad game though. Um, but he did he had particularly had a bad game, mm-hmm. but I think, other than that, he's been very, very solid. Um, so, I don't, and he's so young. But <laughs> for for this defensive core, maybe solid. I wouldn't. I wouldn't use too many qualifiers. A very, very solid, solid for <laughs> the Sharks and for yes. a waiver claim. Okay, that's, that's that? fine. Yes, that's 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 fine. That's oh, fine. Man. Uh, but I want to write off a of Hotiak. Um, he has uh, looked, yeah. he has looked rough the first couple of games. He's yep. uh, he his first his his uh two games with the Sharks. Uh, uh the Sharks have given up twenty goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did not look. He looked out of his element, but also the Sharks looked like they should be an AHL team. Anyway, yeah, so. so 
I, I, yeah, I, I want to just give up, give up on sort of the mm-hmm. talent again in a better situation. Uh, he yeah. probably will look better. So, yeah. So we'll see. Um, and then second question from Bergback Celebrini, which we touched on what UFAs want to sign here and, and fit with our rebuilding timeline yeah. of, of possibly five years. Yeah. See, that's one thing that I would push back on. I, I, I don't think the sharks are designating a five-year rebuild. I don't think so. I could be wrong, but again, with the mm-hmm. cat space that they seem to have cleared for 2025, 26 after Grandland Ruda's contracts ex- expire, mm-hmm. um, they're going to, they looks like they're, they're going to have a bit of space there. And so I think that they're hoping, I think they're hoping that they have enough young talent pushing up that, that they can pair that with some, better veteran talent in 25, 26, but that just is what, what makes sense with what they're doing with, with the, you know, why would they not want to retain more on Carlson? Okay. Uh, because maybe they want to compete sooner than 40 years from now, right? If they had retained like half of Carlson's contract, right? Like, like, like some of us suggested, um, why not, why not retain for four, for four more years? But the reason why you don't mm-hmm. want to do that is because you want to compete sooner. You you don't want to have that 4 million dead space cap hold, which makes sense if you're trying to compete sooner. And right. so I think the hope, my guess is the hope is that 25, 26, uh, they'll know what they have in William Eklund. They'll know what they have in Will Smith, even though Smith will be younger, but they'll know if the hype is warranted, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Shakir Mukumadulin, Henry Thrun, Thomas Bortolo, uh, Philip Bystead, all, you know, down the line, uh, all those guys, they'll have a better sense of what they've got there. And if that's a legit young core that you can start to sign somebody who, uh, some 27 year old or whatever, right. Uh, that's part of that, that free agency class, um, uh, to, 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 to crest together, basically the hope that the prime of, of, of a younger UFA meets sort of the William Eklund entering his prime, Shakir Mukumadulin entering his prime to form a playoff caliber team finally. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't think the plan is five years, but uh, looking over uh, this, uh, this free agency class list, just, just a quick look, the kind of guys, I think, I think it's going to be along the same lines of, of what the sharks did this off season, just guys with shorter term contracts, guys that they can flip. Um, they just are going to hope for a lot more success than, 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 than so far this year. Um, but last year they did have a little bit of success. I think, uh, they picked up, uh, uh Mikey AC mod on waivers and they were able to flip him for a fourth round pick. Um, I think, uh, guys, even though they're still in the sharks, guys like Nico Sturm and Matt Benning raised their values relatively, uh, when they're with the sharks. And so, uh, maybe guys, guys, uh, like that. So, uh, looking mm-hmm. over this list, uh, it's not it's not going to be the most exciting names. <laughs> it's not going to be your William Nylanders or Steven Stamkos or whatever, right? And I guess what sure. I'm saying is that guys like that, maybe in a couple of years, that that mm-hmm. what I'm seeing long term, maybe that's what they're trying to do. Uh, but um, in terms of this list, I'm looking at, I and mean, we're talking about guys like. Ekman Larson, who's going to be a uh, UFA. No one exciting. You know, Noel Hannafin, who's uh, 20, 27. I mean, he's probably going to be too expensive for the Sharks, but he's probably a kind yeah. of guy. He is a, I think he's a BUBC guy too. So uh, he's the kind of guy that, that may, that, that mm-hmm. maybe they would like just to help anchor the defense and take some pressure off of uh, Ferraro and Benning. Oh, actually, yuck. He's a, he's a, he's a BC guy. So maybe not. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but anyway, I'm just joking about that. Uh, but, uh, so, uh, so, so maybe Hannafin in terms of just, uh, he is a little bit younger and, uh, maybe provide some leadership, that sort of thing. 
Um, sure. So guys along those those lines, they're not gonna they're not gonna go for any of the really exciting names, though. I'm sure. Yeah, I think um, Jake DeBrusque is out there. I think if they they're gonna lose a ton of wingers, like mm-hmm. they're gonna lose Hoffman and Duclair and Barbanov, and who who knows how many of these people they they cake. But right. Jake DeBrusque feels like a Greer kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it could be a good gamble. UFI. Won't be too expensive, maybe. Right, that all yeah. that stuff, all that good stuff. Right. So yeah, sure. From Boston, not originally, but you know, plays in Boston. So <laughs> there you go. Anyway, um, yeah, it's. It's going to be hard. Also, a lot of these dudes are going to sign contracts before then. So yeah, trying yeah. to predict this but far I, into the season is, is a little tough. I don't see them. as I could be wrong, but I don't see them at the point. Uh, like, uh, I just think of Swinging. an example, like the the Red Wings, right? Signing uh, David Perron to a couple of years. Maybe they mm-hmm. were trying to, uh, like, same thing. They were trying to get their young talent to crest with some veteran talent to make something kind of competitive, right? Um, yep. And I don't think the Sharks are quite at that point this offseason. Again, I think they might be in 25-26 or before that season. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, after the 2024-25 season. But um, I would predict this offseason that it's going to be more sort of a, a, a bargain bin hunting, you know, True. dumpster diving. Rebuild, to be kind honest. Of like yeah, rebuild. Rebuild moves. I just hope that you, projects. Hope yeah. you pick better guys than you seem to have uh, so far. Uh, this yeah. season yeah we have to get we have to get so good that we somehow do not have the worst goal differential in NHL history <laughs> so um <laughs> so there's a long way to go there's a long way to go right. yeah what's the shark scouting presence in russia asks just steve yeah um that's kind of uh, the gist of the whole question mm-hmm. um because there's some potentially really good russian players in the 2024 draft including Silyaev and demidov I think we touched on this. Yeah, we did. Uh, a couple uh, when they hired uh, um, about a month ago, two months ago, they hired uh, Igor Aronko, um, mm-hmm. and as to be their their Russian scout. Uh, they had another Russian scout, Nikolai Latikin, who they still have, but uh, Nikolai lives in Ukraine, from what I understand. So that makes them uh, makes it obviously harder for him to to scout in uh in in russia um but I'll, I'll go off it's it's from a podcast a couple of weeks ago that, that i mentioned or a month ago so um so i will find uh the the message that i got from from a contact there about about igor but basically that he is he is well respected um people people like him people think that he is smart and hardworking. And so hopefully that that leads to uh, to 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 some uh, some success drafting a Demidov or, or or whatnot. So so yeah, so they do have a scout there. I think that was the basic question: Do they have a scout there? Yes, they do, and they have a scout in Russia, and that he is a well respected guy. Yep, and um, I agree. There are some good Russians. There were good Russians. One good Russian last year that um, Sharks did not go for it was my guy, but. <laughs> Neither here nor there. Um, all right, next question comes. Well, actually, a few questions. We're going to pick out um, two of them, I think, because um, Alex had a couple. So, Alex, um, I'm going to say this wrong. Gena Dinick. Um, What's the deal with the Penguins pick is kind of the... Um, well, the, just basically, uh, yeah. Yeah, like uh, that first round pick. Um, that... Yeah, so... Basically, there's like a, a top 10 protected clause on it. Um, we were looking into this just before the show to try and um, figure out exactly what that meant, because it seems to be that it's top 10 protected. 
meaning that if the Penguins end up after the lottery with the seventh overall pick or the first mm-hmm. overall pick, they can elect to give the Sharks the 2025 unprotected first round pick. That's kind of what we landed on. Well, I, I think just essentially that it, it is top 10 protected. And if uh, the, the Penguins are really bad and they, and, 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 they, and they end up there, the Penguins get to keep their pick if it's in the top 10. But the next year, it's unprotected. So that's good news on that pick. Um, and then Alex had a general question about my career. Yeah. And um, this is going to be the first in a couple of these questions. Um, <laughs> a lot of job security questions for some reason. It comes down to because of these historical ridiculous losses, um, what would it take to get Mike Greer fired? Mm-hmm. What does the job security look like for Mike oh, Greer? Oh boy, um, <laughs> I think I think he is secure now. I don't think I don't think he's tied into uh, some bad losses here. Mm-hmm. What would it take, um, boy? I be I, I think there's an acknowledgement that the sharks are in a rebuild from the highest mm-hmm. you know up high. But I do wonder though that if it's so bad, the on ice product that I how do I say this? Um I think the blueprint of of, of what uh what Mike is doing is, is sensible. I'm I'm still going to uh I'm not gonna waver on that. Uh the blueprint of try to bring in veteran guys, high compete guys have a good environment for young players to come up in, try to lose games four to three, three to two, not 10 to three. <laughs> um, all that, all that makes, makes sense. But what I am questioning is the guys he's bringing in that mm. so far they've all sort of flopped. And so is there a disconnect in terms of the evaluation up, up at the, up at the pro level? That's possible. And so, to answer the the, the, the question, um, I, I think Mike will get the year uh, for sure to 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 get this out, and I think that that the idea is to give him a lot of space. Like again, no one is expecting the the, the Sharks to win a lot of games. No one is expecting the Sharks to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody though uh, would have guessed they'd be so bad. And you know, we're talking historically bad at this at this rate. And so if they end up historically bad. That means that Mike made a lot of wrong choices with the guys he brought in. Probably, right? Could be injuries too, yeah. and a lot of other things. But probably that's what it is. If the Sharks end up with a thirty-five point season or something like that, or forty-two point season, um, he 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 messed up. A, a, he botched a, a, a lot of a lot of his signings and acquisitions. Um, that won't reflect well on him, um, and so. Can you bring in somebody that can still institute the the plan that Mike had, which is a valid plan, but make yep. some better decisions with veteran signings and trades? You probably can. Um, and so, and so, if you think of it that way, then then it is possible that a historic. So, I guess I will say that a historically bad season might put his job in question. Uh, but otherwise, I think he's pretty safe because I think his plan is valid. I think that Hasso seems to have bought into the plan, which is really important. Um, but, um, I don't sure Hasso can't, can't, can't be delighted watching a minus 43 gold differential team after 11 games. No one can, no one, it's a, it's an unwatchable product for a lot of yeah. these games right now. And, and no, so yeah, why, so why would he be happy about that? Um, so I think that, uh, so I think if I were to say like, 
I don't know this for a fact, but uh, it would seem that that Mike's mandate is generally around uh, uh, have a competitive, watchable team, uh, mm-hmm. but accrue draft picks, high draft picks. And yeah. last year's team certainly fit that bill. It was it was four points away from being the worst team in the league. It was uh, one Jonathan Taves breakaway, uh, Kevin LeBanc hot streak <laughs> yeah, <laughs> away no from or... yeah, no Gregor right away from 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 being having the best uh, odds, best uh, Tomas Ferrell like odds. tying the game. I don't remember what game this was with like nine uh, Carlson tied left. Carlson tied a game too. Actually, Carlson <sighs> tied a game uh, late wow. in the season. Uh, I think it was against the Blackhawks. He tied a game late in the season. Anyway, though, like so things so things, but it was it was a it was a competitive. Uh, until the tra- maybe after the trade deadline when they trade a lot of people, which is I think people understand. Uh, that's at that point you're then you're just watching 20 games of awful hockey and not 82 games of awful hockey. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, um, uh, uh, that so that that team fit the bill. Uh, mm-hmm. It was competitive. You can make an argument that the record should have been better. Uh, um, <clears throat> I, I think that David Quinn did a good job with last year's team um, sure. overall with what he was given and. So that team fit the bill, I think, of, of what Mike's mandate generally is. Build a competitive team. Uh, every, if everything hits right, then maybe it makes the playoffs, but probably not. But if things are as they are, as long as they're competitive and interesting and get those draft picks, uh, get those high picks, trade guys at the deadline for more picks, great plan, very valid plan. Yeah. Um, so can so can this team, this current team uh, uh, this year, yeah, I think that's going to be a question. Can it get back to respectability? If they can do that, then 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 I think I think Mike will be fine. Uh, but if they continue on this rate, then yeah, maybe maybe there's going to be an issue there. And again, I, I don't think Hasso Hasso has seems to have a lot of patience, so I it would it would not be something that's done lightly. He's not going to mm-hmm. be you know Hasso's. I don't think is going to be the kind of guy that's going to fire Mike midseason like some owners might. Um, so I, I guess I'll say that. Yeah, you have a lot more, um, just I guess feelers basically about the way these things kind of work just because of, of what you do. Yeah. I, I like, like you were saying, I like Greer's plan. I think plan's reasonable. I've, I've, yeah. I've liked his moves. I like his reasoning behind why he's picking certain players. I like the, um, I don't like the construction of his current team, but I don't think, I, I don't know. In some ways it was meant to be, it was, it was put up, it was put up to fail essentially. Um, it was supposed to be a little bit more competitive than this. A lot um, more. I think that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think um, if if there's an axe that's going to fall, I don't think it's on Mike Greer first, but we'll talk about that in the next mm-hmm. couple questions. Sure, <laughs> <Anyway>. yes. <laughs> a lot of job All security right. questions. Lots, so many. <laughs> even, uh, just to tease, even my job security. So, even but... Shanks. Yes. Not, uh, maybe even mine. No, probably not mine, but maybe. Well, no, your job security in this, at least on this podcast. We're is, still doing the podcast regardless if you have a job. Dang, it's good. <laughs> no, okay. Who, who would be covering the, yeah. I don't know. We'll pick an AHL team or something, the, 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 uh, Bay, the Bay, Bay Area Panther, the, Bay. the, the local uh, arena football, whatever yeah, team. Let's, uh, let's pick arena football yeah. or, okay. or or uh, roller derby, roller hockey, <laughs> either one. Anyway, Matthias893 says, uh, thanks for doing the podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Are there yes, any offensive you. defensemen in the league uh, that the Sharks should be realistically affording Affordably pursuing at this point, Adam Bogart. Or available or affordable. Or available. Yeah. Um, 
Adam Boga seems to be on the outs in Columbus due to their own defensive logjam, but he's young, right shot offensive D, who had 24 points in 46 games last year. But on the other hand, he was also not good enough to push onto the Jackets roster this year. I would like to say that every one of the top four defensemen on the Jackets roster mm-hmm. is better than every single Sharks defender right now. <laughs> so, yeah, he can't crack that roster, but... You know, it's not like they have an amazing all-star defense either. They just have four dudes that are, you know, good. Um, So anyway, Adam Boakfest. And we did some digging on this one um, to try and find names. And as you might expect, it's hard to get um, young puck-moving defenders without paying for it. Um, Notably, last season, Vancouver paid for Philip Ronick from Detroit to try and pair with Quinn Hughes. It's worked out wonders for them. Had to give Um, up a first-round pick, though. Had to give up a first round pick. Same with uh, Dallas. They paid for Niels Lundqvist, who's like 21, 22. Had to give up a first round pick. Um, Now they've had wildly different outcomes so far. But um, the point is, is that getting these dudes that are young enough to fit with the rebuild for the Sharks um, and available often costs first round pick plus. So are the Sharks willing to do that at this time? And is there anyone out there? Not really, from what we could tell. We looked around the league trying to find a dude. Bokefist and I mean, Bokefist is a, is a pretty good, uh, and you mentioned mm-hmm. Jake Bean in terms of affordable because they probably wouldn't cost the first, I guess, but yeah, they probably wouldn't. Um, but they're also probably not as good as somebody like Philip, Ron- they're definitely not sure. as good as somebody like Philip Ronick. Sure. Um, so I don't know, I do think maybe the Sharks will try and find somebody. Maybe this is like an AHL kind of thing, maybe their own Leon Gabanka, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. sure. Um, and, Maybe they'll just they just give him a shot and just see, hey, this is your chance to to stick in NHL. If you yep. can't do anything in these ten games, then you know, welcome to playing in Germany for the rest of your life, maybe. Yeah, or, so. yeah. So, I mean, they gotta try something, right? Because right now, Jacob McDonald hype train is only gonna go so far as I as I say it's gonna go. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I don't know. What are you? What do you? What else are your thoughts, Shane, on this one? I it's it's pretty, much, pretty much along along those lines. Um, I I don't think that off the top of my head and with our, our with with our research, also too, it's kind of early in the season, so there's mm-hmm. not a lot of guys available. I mean. Tony D'Angelo is available, but I think for a lot of reasons, you probably want to stay away from him. Um, sure. So anyway, though, um, yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not really quite sh- quite sure. Uh, I think Boquist is a good, good guess for somebody. And mm-hmm. I think just giving Gavanka uh, a shot uh, is, is a good idea, too. And um, we do have some, you know, thrown Mugamadulin that are still cooking down the AHL. A lot, yeah, uh, especially Mugamadulin. Again, yeah, don't don't fall into that temptation. Like, look at this. Yeah. Can you imagine uh, uh, Mugamadulin turning his head uh, minus f- dash forty five into the season, just turning his head all the time, all the goals getting passed. Uh, that's that's not good. Yeah, for getting turnstiled every single night and getting that's beat wide, yeah, and, and then yeah. go under if he's ever going to make the NHL. I, I think I think Henry can be fine up here, but. Sure. Uh, Definitely do not, do not, do not expose Mukumadul into this. Again, we're already exposing Eklund to this, but it's a forward, a defenseman. It's just a whole different position, whole different pressure. So yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. touch that. So, and we'll talk about Eklund's play in, in, in a little while. As sure. Well. Yep. All right. Anthony Morris is our next question. Uh, Jonathan Becher. Becker. Uh, the shark. <laughs> Becker. God, I, I cannot pronounce <laughs> Jonathan Becker. Is every time I try, it's like Becher, Becher. Yeah. Anyway. But the question is basically about uh, uh, Becker's job security. Does he have to worry mm-hmm. about his his job security? I could just take we're this going, 
we're really going quickly. down the line, but yeah, yes, go ahead. Um, yeah, we're going to basically talk about everybody in the organization and their job security, including my own. <laughs> I'm not an organization, though. But anyway, though, uh, Becker, um, I, I don't think he has anything really to worry about. I mean, he's the president. It's his he's more about business and, and things like that. Right. And so mm-hmm. he's not the guy responsible for the on the ice product. Um, so I, I think, I think he's going to be safe uh, as far as I understand it too. He's close with Hasso. And so, and I don't see any reason why he, why he, why he should be in danger. I mean, the food tastes mm-hmm. better. SAP center. <laughs> they it brought it really well. They, they, they brought it. They brought in Augie's pastrami. That's, that's the stuff that, 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 that I think depends more on Becker. Okay. It's not, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not Jacob McDonald. your PP one quarterback. That's not on, 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 on Becker. So, uh, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, so I think, I think he's gonna be fine. I, I don't, I think so, that's, that's sort of a, a nothing to, to be fair, about. to be fair to Anthony. He did mention the things like, like, um, you know, not just the on ice product being terrible, but like low crowds, the right, the, but that's the on ice product, though, right? Yeah, you'd think, but I mean, obviously, yeah. like some of that does come from uh, his job as well. There's uh, <laughs> last, last, last night, the, the Sharks were able to sell it because of partnership with the Warriors. Uh, they gave away a Warriors slash Sharks jersey. They're not gonna be able to yeah. partner with the Warriors for 41 games this season. So, Damn it. <laughs> so uh, unless, unless Becker blew that opportunity when Warriors like, hey, let's team up with 41 games. He's like, no, no, we don't need you. Okay, in that case, then fire his ass. But I, I don't think that's that, that's that's uh, that's what was out there. That was a one mm-hmm. day, you know, one one game a season kind of kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, crowds are low, but it's because the team sucks and that has, that doesn't really have anything to do with, 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 with Becker. I mean, I guess, mm-hmm. I guess the only way you can tie things into Becker is that, uh, I do believe that he had an influence in, in the hiring of Mike Greer. And so, so Mike Greer ends up, well, this guy is not a very good GM, which I think the jury's still out. I like Mike, I like his sure. plan, but I am not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you, uh, looking at you right now, that oh, Mike is a good GM or a great GM. I have no idea. We have no idea right now. Yeah. Um, so, um, so the jury is out there, and so and so, if Mike takes takes the fall. Then maybe 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 Becker takes some of that because uh, of, of his involvement with hiring him. But beyond that, though, in terms of the, yeah, I mean, yeah, like uh, again, I I don't I don't I don't I don't think that I don't think Becker has 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 that 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 kind of. Um, sort of um you know the finances matter to him right so um there was a story actually just just out uh, written by um uh, uh, my colleague curtis mercury news uh, that becker talks about being presented with eric carlson sort of like just what what teams wanted to trade for eric but also the money aspect of it so i think the financial aspect does have something to do with with becker uh for sure uh as sort of the conduit to hustle but um Again, beyond that, yeah, I, I'm not really seeing why why his job would be uh, 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 mm-hmm. under fire. So, unlike the the next group of guys, I guess you're going to mention. So, <laughs> indeed, um, I will say the food at SAP Center is very good. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. I, I can't complain. Yeah, yeah. I actually uh, I walked around and I was like, oh, these are like a lot of like kind of is in the old days. If you remember, twenty years ago, it's kind of a side, but twenty. I mean, of course, I'm comparing to a long time ago, but like mm-hmm. twenty years ago, thirty years ago, you know, you're lucky to have like a hot dog on a stick or literally a hot yeah. dog on a stick. Not even the the brand name, the company <laughs> hot dog on a just stick, but just a literally a hot dog on a stick at, yeah. at, at at a game. But now you walk around, you see all these local San Jose places like Smoking Pig and um, iguanas and, and places like that, right? Uh, local, popular local places uh, that that are, are you basically, if you go to SAP Center, you get a 
pretty good taste of uh, San of San food in San Jose, which is great. Which is w- yeah. what you should get, I think, when you go to Arena. All right. Next question is Zeke, and this is the big one. I think this one's going to be a longer discussion. Um, <laughs> basically, it boils down to the Sharks at long last decided they need to rebuild, which means they need the right staff for that process. Optimal leaders for rebuilding team differ from optimal leaders for a highly competitive team. Do they have the right coaches and execs? I'll narrow it down to Quinn and McCarthy, but feel free to add other ones. We've already added other ones, other execs. So we'll talk about Quinn and McCarthy and their job security um, after a historic back-to-back loss. Yeah. Um, so I, I I don't think that I, I never thought that that the Quinn's job was in danger, no matter the record, I, I thought, but I didn't think that they were gonna be this bad. And so, mm-hmm. so so this 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 is sort of not anything that I'd really, uh, really projected in my mind. Um, I, I do think there's there's a point when you keep losing like this, that something has to be done. Um, and so when we get to that point, you know, uh, I it's I guess one of the things I'll say that is that um, I think I, I think I think David's going to get some rope here. I think he deserves it too. Ten games, mm-hmm. eleven games is, is is too early. Can he turn this team not around into a playoff team, right? But can he turn this team around to a competitive team? And sure. a lot of this is expectations, right? If uh, if if the Sharks were projected to be a Stanley Cup contender, and you start the season zero ten and one, and you lose two games by 17 goals uh then yeah your ass is canned you, you probably don't even get to game 11 if that's your record you might get to mm-hmm. game six or seven and you're canned right um what were the expectations for this for the sharks team now i've heard some people say that they were expected to be this bad i don't believe i don't believe most people thought that actually that this bad mm-hmm. i don't think anyone no. thought that they were gonna be i thought they were the worst team in the nhl but not right. like historically, not historically bad, bad right and so i think the projection was that they would be among the worst teams if not the worst team in the league like if david had been able to get them up to 28th in the league or seventh in the division i would say wow great job <laughs> you know excellent yeah. you know you, you've defied expectations um so Wow. So, so, so what is, so, so, so what is the expectation here? The expectation is, I think that is that they are competitive. They lose games, but they're competitive. And so there is time for David to get to that. Not very high bar, at least in the big picture, not, not very high bar. And I think he has enough bodies and talent to do it. Even if a lot of, honestly, they do have a lot of mercenaries this year, kind of, and maybe that's part of the problem. Um, but it is obviously his job to kind of get them together to kind of get them, uh, get them, uh, get them uh, on, on the same beat, uh, marching to the same drummer. And so can he do that, uh, say by the all-star break, um, that they can be competitive at least, um, then why, then at that point he's done his job. Why would you, why would you fire him? Um, and he, and, and he's given you a 11 game head start toward the best, the best draft lottery odds with his zero 10 and one it's start. True. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so if you look at it that way and can he, can he reach that bar to me, that's the test. If the team is this bad the entire season, if you get to the trade deadline and your goal differential is minus 200, which is, I think about what their, their rate is. And yeah, I, I, I personally like, like, like David, but just you can't you, you can't be that bad you can't be you can't be that embarrassingly bad and expect to keep your job but mm-hmm. if he can if he if he, if he can coach his way out of this with with the people he has and i think he can um then and again coach's way out of it is just it's just it's just to be competitive um it mm-hmm. starts in small chunks 
they started off zero nine and one. That's one 10 game uh, chunk. The next 10 game chunk. Can you reduce the goal differential by say half, <laughs> not asking a lot and maybe yeah, win a game, get a win, get yeah. a win in there. Right. Oh, great. You did that. Uh, the next 10 game chunk, when maybe win three games and get that goal differential down to like evenish, right. And and so on. Right. If you can just kind of have small signs, you know, celebrate actually uh, did a story uh, 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 that I put out today, uh, talking with Mike Sullivan. And uh, we talked with Mike, uh, Mike was here, obviously coaching the penguins uh, or taking, you know, the penguins against the sharks uh, yesterday, but he, but the penguins were here for a couple of days though. And, Anyway, uh, so we're able to touch on uh, touch uh, on a number of topics with him, and one of them was Mike was on the original Sharks expansion expansion teams, the the expansion mm-hmm. team that won seventeen games, the second year team that won just eleven games, and so he has a perspective of well, how do you kind of get through hard years like this? Uh, what uh, how do you handle it? And one of the things he said was you got to celebrate the small victories. And so it's not about peeling off a 10 game winning streak and, and getting yourself back in the playoff hunt. It's not about winning Stanley cup, obviously. Um, but the small victories, so you can get, uh, just make some progress throughout the season, get, uh, get Wooly Mecklen producing and keep him, keep him responsible, a good teammate, get, a, you know, a great example of this actually, I probably should have added that in my article because I mentioned, uh, Eklund in, in, in this article about Sullivan, but, Philip Zadina, I talked about him, right? And just how he's a very talented player and he works hard too. That's the thing that's sort of um, not baffling, but sort of, um, how do you say? It's not the typical uh, uh, talented, but not hardworking kid. He works mm-hmm. hard. He competes. He wants it. But the problem is maybe he wants it too bad. And I think it gets in his own way. And can you turn this this kid around and get him to play like it's always zero zero not think yeah. about the score too much not think about his own stats not think about oh i'm not scoring i'm a scorer i'm not scoring get him to play uh, uh the same way consistently if you can do that then you should keep your job through the rebuild because that's exactly what a rebuilding coach needs to do. It needs to turn a guy like Zadina, who is um, going the wrong way in his career, obviously, right? Or he would have ended up with the Sharks. If you could turn a talent, uh, but an obvious talent, if you could turn a talent like that around, then then you have justified your position as 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 the as the coach of the Sharks. I'm not just putting. It's not just Zadina. You know, maybe Zadina doesn't work out. I'm not saying that uh, mm-hmm. that means that David Quinn has failed. But like, there's other guys like that uh, on the Sharks. That if you can turn a couple of these young guys around, and we actually have seen a little bit with Zetterlin, right? They've built up Zetterlin. Uh, they didn't they didn't lose him last year when he was slumping, right? And he came back, and he he's he's been good. So he's an example of a guy that has grown. Um, and so you have a couple more success stories like that. And again, Zadina is a great one because Zadina is going the wrong way, you know? And so can you mm-hmm. get him going the right way? Eklund's a little different, uh, but, um, Bordelow is a good case example of this too. Um, and so get a couple of these guys going the right way and, um, your record's going to be better because, because your young players are playing better anyway. Inevitably your record will be better. And then you have sort of a, a core, right? A young core. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we get to, again, 25, 26, uh, 2025, 26, which we talked about earlier in this podcast. Um, so if you can't do that, though, and again, if you get to all-star break and your Golden French show is still a joke and it's you're on pace for league worse there and everybody, no one is really turning around, 
um, then yeah, then then I then 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 you might have to fire uh, David Quinn right there. But um, I don't think it, it's a it's. I know you were not happy what you saw last night, but yeah. I think it's too early. I think that you have to give a, re, a rebuilding coach a chance to 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 rebuild to build up his guys right that's that's the you know rebuild obviously that word but it also ties into just building up your guys that are uh low on confidence or lower on confidence or whatever because that's how they end up on rebuilding teams right can you build them up into something and um yeah so i i want to i want to see uh a quinn and his coaching staff get a chance at that yeah i i guess okay so i don't want to I don't want to go into like a back and forth thing. And and obviously I think there is merit to keeping David Quinn for longer. Like you're saying, if there is a chance to turn it around he should be able to get that chance. I think my, my point was that these types of losses are not just like, um, bad for now. They're going to be there. They could theoretically harm you in this future rebuild. So the longer that you prolong this type of losing team the whole the whole thing last year was like we got to build up the culture we got to have pride in our locker room we got to compete hard these this is the two deadest sharks teams ever i've ever seen on the ice ever even like like very very bad losses or like the reverse sweep all that shit this is the worst two yeah that doesn't even count i know i know i think uh hurdle said most embarrassing loss ever was the vancouver loss you know the 10 one one yeah and, saying, and people were that, people were I'm not I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying people mm-hmm. were saying like, oh, for, you know, uh, yeah. uh, did, did you forget the reverse sweep? But uh, you know, that's, that's not embarrassing. A, but it's it's a different kind of loss. The Kings are a really good team, yeah, which everyone exactly. can acknowledge. <laughs> Even the the fans can acknowledge that too. So they choked. It, that's not the, the same in those thing. series. The, this one they didn't choke. They just don't they just have were, anything. They bad. just weren't competing. Yeah. So, so I, I yeah. Anyway, go on. Like I just see nothing left a game from from that much longer of this like maybe a couple weeks but that's it because i just see harming guys like eckland um who are trying their best to to compete and are just you know i don't think it's sinking into a lot of guys um on the team and you know whether or not that's going to be better from a new coach i don't know but also david quinn's not like a stanley cup winning coach he's not like a you know hall of fame coach he's an nhl coach and i think there are other options out there to see if you can not get so embarrassed every single night um so if it continues like by thanksgiving if you're mm-hmm. still obviously like you you lose two more games 10 to 1 i think he's gone at the end of those two more games honestly um, i didn't want to imagine that because that's never happened in angel history so ever so i think he'd be gone but i just think if you're not turning around anything by then and you know your leading scorer has five points or seven points or something by Thanksgiving. Your um, so has four you have goals. like a three week clock on this. Then basically, I think that's, so. That's, that's in my opinion, okay. but it, it's not like, and it's also just this is going to be Mike Greer's first decision as a except for bringing in his own staff. This mm-hmm. is the first change of his own plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of this does reflect on Greer. Like, of course, these yeah. losses don't just. You know, and he's got to make a decision, right? Is this the coach that you think, even if you get through this period, is he going to be the one that's going to carry you to the next period? Probably well, not. I, well, uh, we don't know that, but I, I would say that I, that, I, I that like when a lot, and I like the way that he talks, and I like the some of the time. And actually, last year I loved how much fire he had behind the bench, and I loved how much like he got them to be 
competitive enough in games and like fun and he and really uh, he and he and Mike really unlocked Eric Carlson last year too. I exactly. think I think that's 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 sort of they're missing gotten, it this year. He, and obviously <laughs> there's no Eric Carlson. He helped turn a guy the 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 defenseman uh, the player with the least value in the league. Mm-hmm. In terms of his contract, everything combined, right? His age, right? The the yep. least, literally the least valuable player in the league, I, I arguably in Eric Carlson, and turned it into a a neutral value uh, asset, yep. a guy Somebody that you could trade, anything. but you won't get anything back, which is basically what happened because they had taken mm-hmm. all those bad contracts to get that first round pick. But basically, they were able to turn him into a neutral value. This which is again is from it was remarkable. just uh, astonishing. It was astonishing, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so. There so is that. Yeah, so so it's not like he can't coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, that's a, that's in a whole nother argument uh, or a whole nother uh, a podcast. He doesn't ruin young players. Um, Lafreniere and Cockle just aren't that good. Sorry, guys. True. Um, Adam Fox is good. Young player did perfectly fine. Gucinovich, young player, did perfectly fine under under David Quinn. So it's mm-hmm. not it's not about that. Um, but he has are maybe the I would say the biggest coaching challenge of his life that he has this kind of wayward team maybe of a bunch of mercenaries that just aren't aren't gelling together and it's got to find a yeah. way to 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 get them to to hammer them together and there's no structure there's no like there no is but like but everyone everyone like. leaves it everyone everyone breaks it once once yeah. some bad shit happens right so um and so he's got to get how those many, guys to play 60 minutes uh yeah. whatever the how score many good and periods can you remember from this year though like, oh i and i mean like a handful literally yeah four, I, I know <laughs> i i know i know it's, uh, it's 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 been it's been awful there's there isn't there isn't any mm-hmm. any any doubt about what we've seen out there but yeah. um i would just yeah I, I i i there is a point there is a breaking point just like with mike there is a breaking point sure. in terms of just how bad it can be but uh mm-hmm. i would give him a chance to at least get away from the abyss right and i think three weeks is a little short i would give longer um mm-hmm. uh, but not the losses, but not <laughs> but not that much longer though right because i'm talking yeah. like you're talking uh like 15 games i'm talking like 30 more games or something like that. Sure. Right. So we're not really talking uh, that much differently. Uh, one thing I'll close though, with the thought about, uh, about Quinn is, um, is uh, that when Mike hired him, I think the idea was that this is the right guy for a rebuild. And I think mm-hmm. a, in a lot of ways, he, he fits a profile. Uh, he has a reputation as a, as, as a good teacher. Uh, he is patient. Yeah, you've had to be patient uh, uh, with, with this Sharks team. Um, uh, he is uh, constantly, more often than not, he's positive, which is what you need when your team is bad and getting shit kicked a lot. Um, True. And he tends, he tries to build up guys in, in general, uh, a lot of one-on-one with players. And um, it, so I, I feel like, I feel like he was hired for, under that premise that he would be the the right guy for a rebuild, and these are sort of the these are like historic growing pains for a rebuild right now, at least at this pace, right? And I don't think we anyone thought again that it would be like <laughs> this, right? But yeah. like these are growing pains, though these are pains, right? And so sure. you're you've hired a rebuild coach basically to 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 guide your way through it. And so let's see if he can. And again, guide your way through it doesn't mean it doesn't mean winning uh you know 10 of your next 12 games. It it means winning three of your next 15 and yep. and, and 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 shrinking that goal to run the differential drastically. 
and guys just playing the right way, guys playing consistently and guys playing for each other and not letting your goalies get hit in the head and all that, all that stuff combined, right? Can you get, get this group together? However, they need to do it. If they need to get rid of a couple of the quote unquote bad eggs, you know, whoever they are, if he needs to send some messages to some young players, whatever, whatever you need to do, uh, but also to send these messages, but also make sure that the young players, you don't lose them, that you, you still grow them. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, th- I think again, he was brought in to be a rebuilding coach. We're in the, the sharks are in a rebuild. So let's sure. see if he can get his, you know, get them yeah. back on track. Uh, last year they were on track. I think for most of the season. Yeah, so, I don't think they were supposed to be as bad as they were last year. Uh, like I think, I think yes of, and no, because uh, I do believe a lot of the poor, but, uh, but a lot of the underlying stats though, they really could have been a 500 team, at least up to yeah. trading Timo, uh, because yeah, I, 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 I thought that I, I, I thought that there was a lot of good done last year. And even, even with whatever their record ended up being, they were still competitive. Sure. They lost all those overtime one goal games. So that's, mm-hmm. and that's fine. So I don't even know if that means it's a, it's a good thing though, because that means that he couldn't win even the anyway. No, so. no one's arguing that they're, but again, what is the yeah. mandate? The mandate is not to make the playoffs. The mandate is not no, to win the Stanley Cup. The mandate is to be competitive, yeah, right? And they, looked and like they were very competitive were, last year. Yeah, but this year they look so lifeless. Anyway, we're just Right, 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 right. No, I, I agree <laughs> with that. So can he get to anything resembling that, even without uh, Eric Carlson yeah. and a team Meyer to help him, right? That's, that's part of the challenge, right? And um, I think that, I think a coach can, even with this lack of, talent mm-hmm. it's uh, these are still a lot of these guys are still angel players i mean they may not be eric carlson but yeah uh, should be able to do a lot better than they have and so anyway i again uh, so we're we are just talking in circles in the sense of you have a little uh, shorter of a leash i have a little longer sure. but we still want to see the same thing we're not yeah. asking for the world here we're just asking for something that's watchable and yeah. and, that is, and honestly like yeah, if, so. if quinn was like benching Eklund every two games or doing some stupid things i'd be like yeah get him out of here because like that would be annoying and i don't think warranted but it's not like he's doing anything unwarranted he's he's generally his lineup decisions are fine i think he he's putting in players that are um you know have earned it he's putting sending down players that haven't he's doing the the right things more than anything i would actually i'm gonna interrupt you a little bit here Hmm. that he has been too passive in a way in the sense of like what i mean by that is that honestly thomas bordolo had no business being a 2c at any point during the the first 10 games it should always it should always (laughs) been you gave him a shot because that's your prospect you want to give him a shot that's fine that's great right that's what the fans want right Mm -hmm. but he had his lunch taken from him as 2c sure it should have been nico Sturm from the from 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 game from game one Mm-hmm. You know, because Nico Sturm was the Sharks' second best. Not that Nico Sturm should be a two C, but he was the Sharks' second best center uh, with Gramlin and, and Couture hurt. And so he gave guys chances because they're you know, that they're the guys, they're, they're the organization's guys, the prospects, and you want to give them a look, right? And he gave them more games than honestly, I think he should have. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of just like getting them back on a competitive track. I mean, you know, if that's I thought it's all we're worried about about them being more competitive. And we saw these guys weren't ready. And, you know, Bortolo got sent down just uh, uh, just a few games ago, but it really could have happened after game four or five uh, uh, easily in, 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 in my mind, just just for example. Um, mm-hmm. 
And and so yeah, so if anything, he's he's been giving these young guys a lot of rope, you know. Uh, yes, I think yeah. I think yes. so. Anyway, I still think Eklund's playing well too, but we're gonna get to Eklund's play at some point. I just okay. But uh, actually though, you want to answer another part of the question, just give a thought about John McCarthy because you watch the Barracuda more. So and we, yeah. we and, and, and when we talk about job security, we need to literally are gonna talk about everybody in organization. Everybody so, in thing. so John um, doesn't escape notice. So I'm gonna give you the the John one, just your thoughts on John. Um what have you seen, what you've observed. I don't think that the Barracuda are a very well coached team in general, okay. and they haven't been that way this year or last year. Mm-hmm. And they are um unstructured they they had a good win today i watched their game today um i felt like that was a good team effort their team defense was a lot improved but it's also like their first win i think in our some, some amount of time okay um, okay so i don't know it's uh i do i i like that he does give um like his skill players a chance to succeed he puts them you know in power play minutes he gives them the puck a lot um but it also i think quinn does that too yeah um but they just don't have a lot of um team structure i think mm. and even with like veteran guys going down and and a, and a significant amount of veteran players there right simic is down there and everything um it's just uh they just have not been a very well coached team for like two years so is and mccarthy's a brand new coach essentially i don't think his job security is you know solid solid he is a, a sharks um uh led not legend he's a sharks like you know an ex shark kind of thing sure long time shark yeah um so he might have a longer leash just from that and maybe just to try and get his own feet wet at coaching um but it's not like i personally don't think they're a very well coached team that's the way that i would put it i I have a last thought about quinn too that they lost a lot of players from last year beyond the obvious of carlson and meyer but they lost a lot of guys who i know people laugh at play the right way but that's what those guys did. And those are the guys that along with Carlson and Meyer helped keep the Sharks competitive guys like Benino guys like Matt Nieto. Um, and so I think I, I would not, um, how do you say, uh, um, uh, uh, undervalue the losses of guys like that too, because now you're filling in with just a, a lot more younger, uh, just, guys that just don't do the same things that just aren't predictable. I think that's one thing that, that, that Quinn has talked about that, that uh, think guys are doing their own thing. They're not predictable out there for each other. And that leads to a lot of problems. And so guys like, yeah. again, the Matt Nieto guys like that are predictable. So, so, and Couture too, obviously, even though Couture is a higher skill player, but, um, but yeah. anyway, Smith's but, uh, lineup yeah. Sure. But uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's move on. Um, mm-hmm. Next where one is we from now? Uh, Supreme Dream. Okay, um, it's kind of a longer question. Um, there's yeah, two let's... parts to it essentially. But first part is uh, let's just read the basics for... of it. Yeah, let's shorten let's shorten this up. So good strategy for building yeah. up the defense core. Yeah. Uh, and then are there interesting first pound demon in the coming drafts i think we'll actually do more draft related content when we get closer um so we'll answer the first part which is how are the short prospects coming along and, and how is a good strategy for building up the defense core well just what is the strategy too i guess right like what do you yeah. what do you feel would be a good strategy okay so anyway okay so yeah do you want to go ahead what would be a good strategy or, or i think we talked about this too sometime during the off-season podcast but the sharks did a great job of, of rebuilding at least the the depth of the um the decor for the sharks because mm-hmm. you know for a long time our best prospects were 
uh, Candle Rock and Ryan Merkley. Yeah. And now, you know, we have Canyoni, we've got Shakira Mukabadoon, we've got Henry Thrun, we have mm-hmm. Matthias Havlid, um, we, we have Michael Fisher doing it or playing in the NCAA. We have guys that have been brought in the last two drafts by or by trade that um, seem to be like a, a very specific focus for Greer and improving um, the defense pipeline for the Sharks. I think Mukabadoulin's doing great in the AHL. Uh, great is probably a little bit too excessive. I think he's doing well. Um, he's also playing uh, on the power play, um, which is helpful for his development. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still developing, though, so he needs more time. But he's probably our highest ceiling defense prospect. I think Thrun is going to be an NHL uh, one day or eventually. I wouldn't say that he's a higher ceiling than, than Mukabadoulin. Neither of them are really um, first-pairing type guys, I think. So mm-hmm. we are missing that. I think that's the next swing for the Sharks in terms of they need another forward piece and they need a uh, first-line piece uh, yeah, on defense. Yeah, yeah. So that's the next strategy. There are guys in the upcoming drafts that can do that. A bit here, but <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> um, I... I... Oh, I said my glasses are fogging up a bit. So, oh, okay, yes. uh, that's all. Um, but anyway, um, I yeah, I, I I don't have any big problem with how the structure building out their defense. I think one thing I like about it too is that there's a mix of guys uh, in terms of different mm-hmm. skills. There's better sure. puck mover types like Havlid and Mukumadulin. There's mm-hmm. physical types like uh, like uh, Hotiak and Guriev. Um, there's more defensive combo two-way guys like Thrun. Um, sure. so I think it's a good, it's a good mix, you know, also Cag- Cagnoni, right? More puck mover Landon. Mm-hmm. We just saw him with a big hit, right. Uh, yeah. in a game recently. And so it's a good, it's a good different mix of guys. Obviously not all of them will hit. Uh, but it's, I don't feel like it's way too much. I know Mike does like the, the big physical types like a whole but there's not too many of them though. No, not the, that many. Yeah, right? Yeah. That, right? Because Mukumadulin's not that. Um, mm-hmm. Cagnoni's not that. Havlid's not that. And, and so on, right? And so I think it's a good good blend of guys that they seem to have. And you're just hoping that you get a few hits out of it. But So mm-hmm. I, I, I I don't have any any issue with, with how they are uh, how they're building out their, their defense. Yeah. I think it's... Uh, you're right. That eventually, a couple of these guys are going to hit. And then once you... If you watch prospects enough and then you you kind of realize like well this guy's pretty good if you have a 10 of those guys that well this guy's pretty mm-hmm. good some of them are going to pan out um so i think he's he's done a good job with that it's a, been a hallmark of his is starting the rebuild is, is rebuilding the defense so cool okay so okay so uh next uh we have uh teddy here and teddy asks essentially uh are there any prospects on the barracuda that are on the fast track to come up this season and so I'm going to give uh, uh, Keegan the, the mic on this one because he's our Barracuda guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that given how the Sharks cannot score any goals, that <laughs> Daniel Gushin is going to be called up soon. I, I don't know if it's going to be um, like in a week or two weeks or whatever it is. I just have a feeling that he's he's been tearing up the AHL. He, mm-hmm. he scored a beauty of a goal today. Um it's not like he's a very well-rounded player right now. Like he, he, he does try okay. to be a well-rounded player, but mm-hmm. he doesn't have the physicality necessary to really be it. But it's, I don't, I don't know. The Sharks are kind of missing a dude that's going to put the puck in the Everything, net. Everything, so yeah. Is he better shot. this year? 
Is he how much better is he? And just in your observation, I think he's, I think he's um offense, uh, like his confidence with the puck is a lot better mm-hmm. at the AHL level. So I like that. Um, I don't think the I don't think the physicality or the um uh the unnecessary turnovers are any better. I think mm. those are still okay. there with his games. So I, okay. I don't I don't anticipate he will be like with the Sharks long long term, but I think they're going to give him enough swing to try and get him to score some goals. I honestly think I think he still needs more time to he does turn the puck over at really, really inopportune times. And he tries to overhandle to try and make up for his. Sure. Mistakes. Yeah. I've seen that. At NH- we've seen that at NHL. Yes. Yeah. So he still does that. Um, whether or not that's going to get, hopefully will improve over the next few years, but his offense really has like come alive a little bit. He's like the primary offensive driver for the Barracuda, mm-hmm. which is exactly what I wanted him to be doing right now, which is taking the reins of Eklund mm-hmm. being gone. That's true. Yeah. And being the guy. And, and that's what he's done. You know, It'd be effective on the power play, um, put up points, and uh, be the offensive driver. So okay, okay. Uh, next, we have a uh, John Swenson. If you don't know that name, John Swenson uh, used to run an incredible page, Sharks page, which I know some of you longtime uh, fans will remember. So it's an honor. Uh, hello, John, uh, that you would ask a question on here. But John's question is essentially, uh, who is the best goaltender not in the NHL? And Keegan, I'm going to give this one to you too because you have very strong back opinions back. about this. Yep, back to back. Um, speaking of the Barracuda playing Dustin Wolf today, he led in an uncharacteristic three goals, um, which sounds like <laughs> Lost wow. his first game ever to the Barracuda. Yeah. Um, but he's putting up something like a, he's like a nine twenty seven save percentage in the AHL mm-hmm. since he came over from or, or since he came from the WHL, which he also had like a nine thirty save percentage mm-hmm. in the WHL. The dude is a monster. He's, a, he's competitive. He has this feeling that, like when you watch him, that the puck's just not going to go by him. Like he's always anticipating play super well. He is short. That's his only downfall. But Dustin Wolf, I think, is the best goaltender not playing in the NHL. I, I think there's arguments for Jesper Wallstadt. Um, mm-hmm. He's playing very well. He's like a machine. He's like a just a very technically sound goaltender who could he did step into pro hockey at like a 16 year old. Um, so he could step into pro hockey whenever or like NHL hockey soon, soon. Um, but I think I would put Dustin Wolf just cause um, he has that it factor. Is it going to go with the okay. it factor that I think, uh, I think both will be great starting goaltenders, but I'm going to go. Bonus question then for John here. Uh, if the Sharks had an opportunity to acquire one of them, uh, what's the highest pick you would give for a wolf? Um, I would give the penguins back. Easily. Wow. Easily. Wow. Okay. And that's, it's, it's like a very big improvement from a seventh round pick, which is what he was. Yeah. But the Sharks have Mackenzie Black one. But if they could get a superstar goaltender like Wolf or Wallstat, I don't know. I you think, think that, that, you think that Wolf can be you know, a Soros, a hell, you clearly think so. If you're going to give yeah, up a first I mean, round pick. Okay. If you look at their, if they're, right. their first, couple of years in the in the AHL they're mm-hmm. almost identical with actually Wolf being a little bit better than Soros mm-hmm. and they're the, pretty much the exact same size Wolf has been um dynamite every single place he's played mm-hmm. and he looks the part too so okay. I don't know I'm not a goalie scout everybody always says that when they're like evaluating prospects that they're not a goalie scout uh you could talk to like a handful of people that like love goalies more than anything sure. and, and, and they'll probably also agree with you that that Wolf is 
extremely good. What are the first round pick though? Okay, well that that is that I is would. a hot that that's a bold prediction. <laughs> why why wouldn't you? Like, what would be the downside, right? Like, I, Sharks I, have possibly three first round picks, unless the Penguins is like there's somebody that's like that's right there. Um, I'm more conservative with goalies. Maybe like I, I'm more of the, now it's an old school way of thinking that just maybe not invest that much in it. Um, maybe yeah. until you, you draft, and I would, until you draft I would the guy. I want to see him like play a few games in the NHL to make sure he's not going to get immediately <laughs> just like, for some reason, this two inch space above his shoulder is going to be the, the answer <laughs> and it's over. I don't know. Yeah, um, and also too uh, that with the sharks, he's gonna get shelled too. So you oh, make yeah. sure he would that also he has murdered. the the sort of the, the mental the mental space to do that. Georgie like. Romanov is the best goaltender not playing in the NHL. <laughs> 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 he's been good. Romanov's been good. Yeah, he's good been fire. good. And yeah. the number one star apparently. So um, he had a good game. And I have a tease for you guys too that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I have hired a new writer, and mm-hmm. I will I will tell you guys more about him later. But uh, expect some actually strong, really. I've actually read some of the stuff, some strong Georgie Romanoff content, like stuff that uh, that I, I think I don't want to overhype it because um, I don't know how good Romanoff is going to be. But in terms of just like we knew nothing about Romanoff, and we still know nothing about him because he doesn't really speak speak English, so we can't really interview him. So everything we know about Romanoff is through Gushin. Amazing. <laughs> and so so that's what I mean. I, I don't mean mm-hmm. anything like like amazing, groundbreaking, and sort of like breaking news right away, but just that you're gonna learn a lot about Romanoff. Uh, that's great. Uh, from uh, from my new writer that you did not you did not know. Uh, because is Gushin my, breaking down his game? No, it's Ooh. not Gushin. No, it's because my oh. new it's no Daniel Gushin is not my new writer. Uh, <laughs> but my new writer is is Russian, and so oh, cool. um, it's going to be some some really interesting perspective uh, from that. That's awesome. Um, so I'm I'm very excited to to unleash him on San Jose Hockey now. So uh, that that will happen soon. But uh, let's really get cool. to uh, Finco. Uh, again, thank you, Finco. Very loyal reader, commenter. So thank you so much. Uh, all these uh, years. Um, so Finco has a number of questions, but I think the one we're going to focus on, because I think we've answered like the one of uh, Finco's questions that 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 made Keegan very upset because Keegan is a huge Gushin fan is uh, Keegan uh, or Finco asks, has Gushin been playing like an NHLer in the Barracuda or have his numbers been more empty calorie Joachim Blickfeld stuff? Look at Keegan's uh, face yeah, uh, explode. <laughs> Joachim Blickfeld is the <laughs> definition of empty calorie. Um, and Gushin is not. That's the that's the end all be all. But, but though, you, you admit though you admit though that that Gushin is uh, does have a lot of uh, shortcomings in terms of he needs to be four inches defensively and yeah so so Gush so uh, um, Keegan is not guaranteeing Gushin's angel stardom but um, he needs but, to be four inches taller it needs to be heavier and bigger and, and yeah it's sad because you don't want to say that that's the reason why actually Keegan I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna add, add an extra question for Finco just because again mm-hmm. uh, a loyal commenter reader so um, give you just a quick uh, uh, just a quick quiz. Uh, your top okay, top ten sharks prospects generally. Are there any you see as a fast track to the NHL? Yeah, I, because I know Cam Lunds had a nice, uh, a nice start to the season. Uh, Beastead, mm-hmm. um, fast track like might get a little faster than expected because they're just excelling so far this year, in a surprising way, I guess. Um, I think Mukum Adulin has an argument for this because I think we okay. didn't have an idea of of what he was two years like when the sharks acquired him, like how long it would take for him. And yep. we saw in training camp, we saw I think a more advanced player than than I 
think we projected. And yeah. so I think he... Luka Vadillon is probably the best. Yeah. Bet. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There I think go. that one will Will Smith, maybe if they decide to pull him out of college early, mm-hmm. I don't think that he would do very amazing at the NHL level, but I mm-hmm. think that he would be fun to see. <laughs> um, and it's possible, but okay. I would say Muka Badulin is probably the, the most realistic okay. answer out of okay. the top 10. So we kind of agree on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one more question from Finkel. This one I'll, I'll take. Um, uh, Finkel asked asked me that he's, he mentioned that I always gave Bob Bugner a lot of credit for his candor or transparency and how I found David Quinn in, in this respect. And actually, I'm going to say that uh, I was really sorry to lose Bob because Bob was great. Uh, if you remember the stories that I, 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 I wrote with Bob's comments, Bob would love or not i won't say love but he was very willing to break down a player and his strengths and weaknesses really made for very good stories very uh very uh very enlightening stories and also bob was honest about his team his goalie sucked if this sucked he would kind of tell you you know (laughs) and sometimes he would say that like goal thing wasn't good enough um Mm -hmm. so uh so so i thought that first oh we're 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 going to we're losing bob or we're not going to find a, a better coach to deal with. Uh, but David has been great to deal with. And I think his answers are great. And he doesn't, he's not quite the same as Bob. They're obviously not, not the same guy, but uh, in terms of just overall uh, candor, transparency has been very, very solid for, uh, for the both of them. And so for my job, I, I, I've, I've been lucky and um, uh, overall, both those guys have had a lot of pain. I've had a lot of patience too, uh, with bad sharks teams and with questions about constant questions about bad sharks teams. I know that David did not like uh, my line of questioning yesterday about his uh, job security, uh, but that's the first time I think in 93 games that 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 he 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 has expressed that kind of uh that kind of ire which is pretty good because the sharks have won only 22 games <laughs> after the last 93 so yes. and so bob was the same the, the same way that i think he was pretty good and i think i i yeah i so i i think i i think that they're both uh very very good so um yeah uh let's move on to uh to amy uh amy worth uh, comments a lot on twitter so thank you very much for for uh for jumping on here and her question is and we've answered this in different ways but um uh her question is i've assumed that greer and quinn have a long leash and a low bar which is i think right on and we thought about that but mm-hmm. uh is no wins in 10 games uh just too much are either at risk i think right now right is, is what we're asking right and i think we have answered it but just say it again that I don't think they are at risk right now. Um, I would even venture to say that the Sharks give a 20 goals over the next two games that, <laughs> that Dave, I think that Dave is still safe because again, it's about oh. growth. If you give up 40 goals in four games, <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> that is something right. But, <laughs> but though, I would say though, that again, though, you had to give him what if in 20 games or so, mm that he has shaped them back into a competitive team. Then then he's done his job, right? So it doesn't matter that there was that four-game stretch where they gave up 40 goals, yeah. <laughs> right? Because they are competing. Uh, they are they they are competing. So no, I I I don't I don't think that any of them uh are are at risk. Um okay next question. Uh so uh, we uh we actually have one in between this one that is oh thank here. you sorry about that. I I no did worries. I did I skip? 
You uh, you skipped the the list thing, but this one I I just looked and we didn't add it on there. It's from Jod V. It's oh yeah, saying... no, I actually am reading off the the the, oh, the, the, the comments. So actually, I, I got I didn't know that. It I was... just don't have a little graphic. For oh, that. I'm sorry. Oh no, you don't have a graphic for for uh, it's for, for Jod, Jod v. v. Oh no, we're gonna say his name a bunch because we don't. Have and a he has for a, he has a nifty icon on channel on Channel Z Hockey Now, a commenter. Well, we're sorry about that, Jod. But... I apologize, Jod V. <laughs> But uh, uh, his question is, uh, well, this one is, is this one's also for me. Uh, when uh, when are you gonna get on Threads? X is a dumpster fire, and I can't <laughs> I can't see your zeets. Nice. Is that what they call it? I call I them tweets so. though, but in chronological mm -hmm. order because the site is so broken. Is that the case? You can't see tweets in chronological order, like when you look. You at can it? on their on profiles, but like when you go to like oh, okay. for you, they'll jumble them all up and shit. Oh yeah, yeah, that's kind of stupid. But like you can still click yeah. my profile under an order, right? That, yeah, that's what yeah. I thought, right? Okay, for well. Sure. Uh, yeah, John. Uh, so I, I'm sorry about that. I, a lot of people have have asked me that about jumping on on different uh, 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 different um, uh, social media platforms. I've received a few. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, Blue Sky invites. Uh, I am on. I think Sounds Like Hockey Now is on Threads, but I don't really have anything on there. And look, like. Like, uh, I, I, I have a lot of my plate <laughs> on a day to day basis, right? And so one of the things that worked. Uh, that, that I was very happy with and worked easily for years before uh, Elon Musk took over was, was Twitter. Uh, I got mm -hmm. verified. That was an achievement back then. That wasn't something you paid for. That was it's awesome. True. Cool. Um, put something out there, direct line to sharks. It was smooth, right? Uh, but my point is that like I want that to be something where I don't have to think about it uh, because I don't have enough time in my day to 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 be to 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 gentrify uh, uh social media spaces different ones like i need to find one that is 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 ready made to go for me because i just i'm doing other stuff i'm writing stories i'm covering the team and so um if any of them i would be happy to to to, to leave x i don't i don't like what they've done with it i don't i'm not a big fan of elon musk etc cetera, etc cetera. but um until we get to a point where there's a legitimate competitor it's hard for me to divide my sure. attention and then post in four different places or whatever. Right now I post in Twitter. I post in Facebook. These, they're the largest drivers of traffic. That's where people still go, even with all the, all the problems on, on, on these, on these sites. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if, and when threads gets there or Instagram is, is better for stories, right? Instagram obviously is great for pictures and stuff, but um, blue sky, any of those Mastodon, whatever, right. I'm there. I'm there. I, I don't, I don't like X. Like I said, I don't like Twitter, <laughs> Yeah. but, uh, but until we get to that point though, you know, it needs to be a little set it and forget it for me. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, channel, it just aren't a lot, of a, a, a lot of people, enough people working here that, that, that it's something that, uh, I don't have a social media guy to, 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 to do it for me. So, um, um, so yeah, so, uh, so I'm sorry about that, John. Uh, uh, I, I want to, I want to, um, I want to be everywhere. I would like to be everywhere, but, um, I, I'm not, I'm not able to, so I need to kind of concentrate on the, 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 the biggest, kind of the biggest drivers. Um, but I have no loyalty. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 so once, once Elon starts charging, charging a buck a month and people abandon X, then, yep. okay. You know, then, uh, then, then, then I'll, I'll find, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll take a pick somewhere and, and go somewhere else. So um yeah. next uh uh we have a uh, uh, jam jam and john and jam and john's general question is just 
how high would you uh, would you draft a defenseman in general, and how far would the Sharks have to fall in the draft before you take a defenseman? I guess mm-hmm. I guess he's asking specifically about the the upcoming draft. And so, Keegan, what do you what do you think? Um, I'd still stick with our like original like preseason thing where mm-hmm. I think the top three you'd go forward, and then four you, mm-hmm. you'd pick somebody like Levshunov or Siyev. Um somebody like that you you really mm-hmm. don't want to swing for a, a guy that's going to have the full package for you and mm-hmm. a guy like Siliyev or, or Lev Shunov both of them kind of fit that bill I don't think I would take them above Iserman or I mean Demidov hasn't had a he's been kind of in and out of multiple lineups and has been everywhere mm-hmm. hasn't had a very productive beginning of his career so far he also mm-hmm. plays for notably the worst run <laughs> KHL team in the world um it's basically like because uh, Ska basically doesn't like their their young players, um, so they so he's been kind of sent down to to the minors and, mm-hmm. and back and forth and around. But anyway, um, I still think those three are probably your highest ceiling offensive players for right now. This all will change by the end of uh, May, by the end of everybody's seasons. So maybe Siliyev or, or Levshunov are the guys to take it to, but I would personally say four is probably where I would take a defenseman. And I would just say generally, because it's so early to say right now um, sure. that you just get the best player. It doesn't matter yep. the, the position or whatever. And so whoever is there, the Sharks need help everywhere, as we've seen on the SAP Center also. <laughs> and and at XCU Arena with the Barracuda. Uh, and actually, even the ECHL, they, they have not been good at, at, in any level this year so far, actually. I have but, not paid attention to the ECHL. <laughs> I actually looked at it because I wanted to write a funny tweet because I, I thought that I thought that they were really bad. They're actually just three, five, and two, so they're just mediocre. But uh, um, <laughs> anyway, though, um, so they need help everywhere. And so... Uh, sure. It doesn't. It, do, it doesn't matter. Except put the the position. Um. And so, yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, for myself, I need to do a lot more digging into the twenty twenty four draft class. I've got a lot yep, of. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Um, digging to do. Basically, lots of game watching to happen for me. I've been focusing more on the the sharks prospects and also the mm-hmm. sharks because it's kind of fun to watch this tire fire of a team. Um. And then I think I'll I'll transition to more prospect stuff. Um. In the next couple months. Yep, and to, and to call back a question we got from earlier from, I believe, Lizbeth, it is definitely not too early to focus on the 2024 draft, so <laughs> we will definitely be it's doing a lot of about. that. That's all yeah. That's that's all we have to live for, guys. So mm-hmm. um, so next, um, I love this question from uh, Summoning Salt. So celebrity question, so welcome uh, to the podcast, Summoning. And awesome. I'm, I'm going to read this question exactly as you wrote it, because I think it's hilarious. So. In 1984, sorry, I already messed it up. Sorry, sorry, something. Uh, in 1984, uh, Wayne Gretzky injured his shoulder. In his time gone from the team, the Oilers went into a tailspin, losing five straight while being outscored 33 to nine. This included brutal beatings of nine to two and eleven to zero. Mm, parallels. Is it possible? Possible that Logan Couture is Wayne Gretzky? <laughs> And the Sharks are the 1983 <laughs> for Edmonton Oilers. There it is. We got you got through it. <laughs> um, speaking of of uh, geeking out, that was mm-hmm. the geeking out moment for me. It was just that summoning salt watches our videos. I <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, I know you. So it's like a weird molding of the minds for me. Just two different spheres of my life. I was like, how? how 
Hold on a minute. Anyway, does this count for calling back to your first question as as your geek out moment? <laughs> this is it. I think it was when summoning. I I had actually messaged summoning salt on Twitter. He's a very nice guy. We've talked a little bit. Um, but um, is it possible that Logan Couture is Wayne Gretzky? Um, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why not? Uh, anyway, yeah. also too, somebody saw follow his YouTube, right? That's uh, most famously on YouTube, right? So, yes. so, if, so, if, so if you if you do not follow that, then then uh, then follow, or if you don't follow him, uh, follow him there. Uh, but anyway, though, um, so is it possible that Logan Couture is? I actually will go against that and uh, bold prediction or hot take. No. Uh, Logan Couture is not Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> what? Come on. He's Wayne Gretzky to this team because anybody is Wayne Gretzky to this and team that can actually My question score. actually is <laughs> who would win in a game right now, the 2023-24 Sharks or the 1983-84 Oilers right now? Without Gretzky. Oh, you mean like... Oh. Right now. <laughs> like right now. <laughs> like with TNT Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> with TNT. I don't know. I've seen some of the wrist shots he goes on there. They're not... They're not great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I see some of the wrist shots from this year's Sharks. They're also not great. Eh, not great. Uh, I'm going to go with um, Sharks, but it's close. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So, um, so okay. Salt, so, thank you for commenting. Yes. And, uh, uh, anytime you, a... you want to be on the podcast, we would love to have you. That would, yes. be, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, next, we have a... Uh, 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 Brown again? Yes, I think. Yeah. I think that's how you say that, right? And I like this question because this is a good detail question because mm-hmm. I think Keegan and I will disagree a little bit, but I think there's also a lot of sure. detail to this. So, um, just how has William Eklund played this year? Where has he excelled? And what, if anything, where has he been bad? And mm-hmm. so, you sure. go ahead. Um, I think I'll start with the the bad specifically. I think he needs to, especially when he's challenging puck carriers uh, on the cycle so mm-hmm. when he's in the defensive zone mm-hmm. he's coming up to a puck carrier he often will predict that they're going to beat him and then actually just kind of ignore where he should put his stick so he's like already trailing with the stick behind him thinking he's going to get beat instead of actually challenging the defender it's just kind of like a pet peeve of mine in terms mm-hmm. of like a specific thing that he's doing that i want him to stop he needs to be like actively trying to get the puck away from people instead of just being in the way. Kind is of it one of those things though that where if he gets beat though it's worse though, right? He so he's trying to. Um, it's not like he he needs kind of, to get out of position, but he needs to maintain like a position that he could steal the puck. He doesn't even mm-hmm. maintain the position that he could. He's like already kind of turning, expecting to get beat, mm-hmm. and I feel like he could like at least try and hamper some things okay. defensively. Um, I think that's something that you know. It also comes from just being beat constantly um, and, and and your team getting in 20 goals. Uh, I do like his, um, I do like his um, puck carrying on the boards. I think he's had a couple of good moments of that. Um, yeah, I think there's also been some good playmaking. He's set up a sure. lot of chances. Um, he, you know, notably guys have not been able to finish those chances, but I think he has been setting up. Yeah. Yeah. He has not produced, though, and um, I don't think it's all on him. Obviously, a lot of guys aren't producing, and he's the youngest player on this team, so it's not going to be on him to be the productive force, but he right. needs to to start doing a little bit more offensively. Um, I don't know what he could do, but, um, yeah, and I don't think his – I mean, his shot has improved, um, but he still needs to work on that as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I would start along with those lines. So the shot needs to be more of a weapon, more of a threat still. He still is, I think you, you play him to pass all the time mm-hmm. and you're still pretty safe. And so that if he's going to be uh, even a 50, 60 point guy, that can't be the case. And sure. so he's got to keep working on that. And he hasn't proved it significantly from a couple of years ago. So yeah, it's definitely uh, better than that. Yeah, yeah. So he he's working on it. Um, um, I think, uh, and this this might be an experience thing, and I've noted it in my game notes a couple of times that uh, a couple of times you just is simply just erased from a play. Mm-hmm. And there are times where maybe the better decision was just to get it deep instead of just letting himself get erased and turning it over right there. And I think that's a, that's going to come with some experience about knowing his time uh, because he's not the biggest guy. He's not going to be able to beat this guy or that guy with his quickness sometimes because he just gets the puck in the wrong place, flat-footed, whatever, all kinds of different things, right? But then uh, he's got to make that decision then, okay, I'm not going to... Sometimes, and this happens with young players and with uh, skilled players and obviously on a bad team too that does tries to do too much. And... Sure. That's a natural thing to do, but uh, he's got to learn to to not do that. And I think he I think he will. Um, I think a lot of his offense has been. Uh, this is just a- anecdotal, but a lot of his offense has been that that pass behind the net, uh, yeah. behind the line, right? And so he's got to have a little more variety than that because, again, you know, if in this league, if 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 you have only one way of being uh, uh, ex, uh, uh, dangerous offensively, someone's going to cut that off, and we've seen that a couple times when the, that has been cut off. And yeah. so this this just will need to add kind of a bit more variety to his attack, I would guess I would say. Um, but overall, though, I I I I think that the promise is, is there. The effort is generally there. I do like that. Uh, there's no quit. Um, I also have liked to just. Um, it's a small thing that I noticed, and I, I don't I don't know what he actually thinks about this and what uh, what people think about this, like his teammates, but. <clears throat> I uh when uh Duclair scored yesterday uh to make it four to one, uh it was so funny to watch the reaction of Duclair was like you know, like finally. Um mm. uh, you know, Duclair had a reaction of the normal veteran reaction of uh, uh that, that veterans have when they score a goal in a game that they're getting shit kicked, <laughs> which is like whatever, you know. Um and Eklund came up to him like arms wide, like like <laughs> like like uh, like he yeah. just scored an OT. And I don't think I, I think I think both people, both players were right in that situation. I'm not saying that one was wrong, uh, one or the other was wrong. And I guess what I'm getting at with with William is I like his his kind of his enthusiasm. The team needs a lot of positivity, a lot yeah. of optimism to get out of this mess. And what I do like about about William, at least my opinion, is that he's a guy that I actually do think. Uh, we talked about how how William is affected by all this. That he might be okay from this, just because I I do find him to be. Um, I think he's he's more reserved, but he is kind of strong of mind on his own to some degree, where mm-hmm. he's not as I think influenced by the stuff around him. Sure, like he he is a little more suited, I think. Uh, uh, then say versus Adina, which I've talked about a lot in this episode of playing like it's zero to zero, even if the score is seven to zero, yeah, right? Just, just it's just too. sort of a uh, he does have a bit of a calmness to his game and his personality, and mm-hmm. it's sort of uh, how do you say? Um, I get a sense of sort of a uh, 
methodical can kind of keep doing it like a like a metro like metronome like just yeah, constant like he, okay. yeah kind of like that he has a little bit more of that already in him even though he he's only 21 mm -hmm. and so i that's that's what the team needs they need they need guys not i mean they need 12 willie mecklin sure in terms of skill and talent but yeah. they need they need they need a bunch of guys like that and just in terms of i think personality and just in terms of games five to one and and I, he does a better job it's tough but he does a better job when the team is down keep going at it keep going at it and yeah his and, effort is never really in question i don't think i haven't seen too much of that as problematic with him yeah which is part of the reason why he's here and some of the other guys so, aren't honestly so the other um, <clears throat> um sorry to interrupt you no the, um because eckland went through just a really, really bad season in your garden when he got sent back <laughs> and his team was very, very bad. Sure. Um, they finished, uh, they ended up getting relegated and they're still relegated to the mm -hmm. Allsvenskan. skin. Um, so he played through all that. Like I remember watching him every single game, just this like, and this is his hometown team. This is like his like childhood team. This is yeah. like the, and he, every night they're losing games and he's like part of that, them losing games. Mm -hmm. Um, and eventually they lose the biggest game and get relegated. Um, so I think going through that kind of thing has kind of prepared him to be on a losing team pretty, pretty well. Like, so he, he's, he's prepared playing. for the Sharks to get relegated to AHL. That's that's good. Honestly, that's a good, a good experience to have. I just mean, like, it's true. Because, but I don't want because like at the end of the year, though, when he was playing on that, that you guarded team, his all of his offensive creativity kind of like dissipated. And his mm -hmm. whole job was like dig pucks out of the corner, shuffle mm -hmm. to the guy at the point. And mm -hmm. I don't want that to be the case with Eklund, but I feel like at the end of this year, it might turn into that where that's what he's going to be is like, you know, shuffling pucks, trying to get puck back a lot of effort, you know, smart positionally most of the time, but like the creativity, I don't want him to lose. And you're right. That one pass is kind of what the, the, has been working for him. It's the only thing that's really working for him in the NHL level in terms of offensive output. Um, so he does need to put some working at, at a high level. I would say though, I want to give him that much. It's not like, That's like great, just a couple man. passes, right? Yeah. He's made no, he's doing well at it. Passes he's deceptive when you can. Place. Yeah. Uh, and it's ice, good yeah. to add those things to your repertoire. But once like, if he stops at that pass and then he can't do anything else because the rest of the 95% of the time, he's not able to get into positions to see the ice because he's too busy doing whatever, um, to try and prevent them from being scored on. I feel like his, his game won't evolve. So I do worry about that in terms of what we could be doing or what the Sharks could be doing to make Eklund's play evolve a little bit more to just not mm -hmm. be the best third line forward in the in the NHL to just be like an actual good top six center or top six forward. So I do worry about that. And that, that's also where I think coaching might come in too. It's not mm -hmm. like Quinn's been bad on Eklund. He's clearly appreciating his effort and giving him power play time and all that. Um I don't know. It's just uh, I do worry these these bad losses can hurt you in a long a long term fashion in that way. So I had some thoughts after a couple of these games that were very sad, and I was like, "Man, are we ruining Eklund? I'm kind of worried, but I think he'll be fine. He's he's very he's stoic. He's, uh, he's yeah, okay. a little bit of that. Yeah, I I I, mm -hmm. I tend to think he should be okay, but uh, mm -hmm. we'll see. <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, next we have uh, Christian, uh, who I met in Europe too. So hello, Christian. Uh, good to see you on here. Um, Essentially, his question is that are we witnessing a perfect storm that oh, I like how he worded it, actually. Are we witnessing a perfect storm that might blow the sharks out of San Jose? 
Nice. <laughs> very well worded. Uh, yeah, yeah, very fitting. Uh, great Oklahoma, headline. Oklahoma yeah. City tornadoes. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Great, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, great headline for a story. Um, anyway, uh, essentially, uh, Hassel is older and uh, team is bad. Uh, people aren't watching. Um, so might the Sharks move out of San Jose? And that's the question that, that I, I tease. That that's that's a job. My job security questions. <laughs> yes, it is. You're doing a podcast about the Charlotte Checkers soon. Yeah, uh, because <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that from from uh, from San Francisco though. So <laughs> sheesh. Oh no. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, cover uh, the Stockton Heat. Oh wait, they're not here anymore. So. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> but. Um, I mean, it's hard to answer this this question. I mean, uh, if we, if we project a long, long distance, I mean, um, I don't know who takes over the the Sharks. I mean, we have to speak honestly about this. If, if Hasso or something were to happen to, to Hasso, um, I don't I don't know who who takes over the Sharks. So that's I think that's a fair thing to 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 investigate. Um, so I guess it's not impossible. I guess. Um, I think that in terms of the league perspective and the league does not, uh, we've seen right with the, with the coyotes and other teams that they don't, um, they, they don't move teams lightly. So I think that the sharks have built up a lot of credit for I mean, I mean this is thanks to the fans and thanks to, uh, mm-hmm. Doug Wilson and Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe and, and Joe Pavelski, right. That, um, they've been able to build, I mean, 25 years of really good credit. They've shown that if the team is competitive, that the fans will come. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's going to be a big part of it. It's not like Atlanta that has never, and granted Atlanta, there's a lot of reasons why Atlanta didn't, didn't succeed, the Thrashers, the Flames, but but uh, those there was never a, 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 a stretch where you would say the fans came out to support the Thrashers, a long stretch where the fans came out to support the Thrashers or the, or the Flames. The Sharks have a good, legitimate 25 years or so of, of regular support, of near, of a long sellout streak, 200 game sellout streak, uh, 200 game, yeah, 200 game plus sellout streak, uh, or near sellouts for. Like I said, a better part of 25 years since they moved into uh, San Jose Arena in 1993. So I think I, I think that's going to buy them a lot, where uh, a lot of credit. Where if 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 the Sharks did seek out new ownership for whatever reason, if Hassel just decides to sell the team, he doesn't want to mm-hmm. deal with the aggravation of watching a team lose back to back games <laughs> by uh, by 17 goals. Um, I would understand. We would understand that. Um, but I think that it wouldn't just be sold to a team, uh, sold to an owner whose plan is to move them out of San Jose. If you think about it, too, that San Jose is the NHL's foothold in the Bay Area. It's not like there's a team in San Francisco. It's not like there's a team in, successful team in Oakland. And why would you give up the Bay Area like that, area market like that? So the, I think I think the NHL would, would bend itself over backwards to find the right owner to yeah. uh so yeah so now i think about it um to give a fuller thought to to your question it's a good question christian but uh i'm not seeing it uh, i know it's bad now um but why would the nhl just give up this market why would the nhl 
ignore 25 years of near sellouts and the NHL works here. Like, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that, right? Like, I don't think anyone questions that, that we saw for 25 years. Uh, everyone still talks about it, just how loud SAP Center was, how hard it was to play at uh, in the years of the, you know, the California uh, death trip, right? LA, mm-hmm. Anaheim, San Jose, but even before that, right? Um, so, yeah, the team is, is, is awful now. Crowds are bad, but that's what happens in a rebuild. Sure. Um, and to expect any different, right. I think is arrogant that, oh, the sharks should still sell out, even though they're telling you to, to watch Kyle Burroughs and Jacob McDonald as your number one PP PP one quarterback. You're not hype train. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they couldn't sell out last year, right? Not even close, right. With Eric Carlson putting up 101 points. Like Mm. you gotta, you gotta put a winning product out there. I think, I think that's what we've seen. You can't just throw out players that they recognize. We saw that like the sharks have tried to hang on for years with the Brent Burns and, the hurdles and the, the names you recognize on the back. That's not enough. Yep. But it's gotta be good. The team's gotta be good. But on the other hand though, we've seen that it works, uh, that it works when the team is, is winning when it's competitive. And so I don't think the NHL would, would, uh, um, I think those, those are two big things there, uh, that, that, the, that the sharks have that let's say you use the coyotes here in your question that, uh, that the coyotes, have never had right or the um you know we talk about the Atlanta teams right um the thrashers have never have never had uh that long a string of success and well i guess Atlanta is similar in the markets so i'll give them that Atlanta's market and even actually mm. arizona they're both very good markets so maybe i don't know if they're quite the bay area but they're still they're both very good markets yeah. but yeah they just haven't had that 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 track record of success so yeah i'm not seeing it. i think the sharks are are safe here uh through virtually anything yeah the sharks fans are smart and they know the product that's happening and i think now that they're kind of being sold a a rebuild i think that once this kind of thing you know once we start to get more exciting prospects in the system i i honestly think that people are going to come back and then also all of those fans from the golden era of the sharks if you call it they're all going to have kids and they're yep. all going to want to bring their kids to the game and it's like that's how you build a generational team and i really i agree i hopefully the with the turnaround of the team it's going to be full full houses again at some yep. point and not just because of a golden state warriors jersey so, or jersey <laughs> and not away. just for my job security all right and not so. just for shang's job or the fact that we don't want to have to cover the, the charlotte checkers or the barrier panther or no, okay, no. the non-existent <laughs> stockton heat stockton heat <laughs> so we'll, we'll form the stockton heat fan club the <laughs> Ooh, that's a good idea that'll get so many don't, so don't many tens of listeners <laughs> so many tens of listeners all right <laughs> Let's go. We got two more and then we're all done, guys. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys for listening to to all this. Uh, hopefully this podcast has been uh, a therapeutic uh, uh, for, for great everybody. <laughs> uh, so uh, Christopher uh, McDonald asked, <clears throat> essentially, uh, is this the true version of 2023-24 Sharks? Or is there a next gear that I started laughing with? <laughs> we haven't mm. seen yet. Uh because what is that next gear? And I, um, there is a next gear, but it's, it's first gear. It's, yeah, it's, it may not be much, though. Let's be honest. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the Sharks are not going to end the season. Let's. What is the rate of this right now? Zero, uh, zero seventy-seven and seven. Okay, so that's an eighty-four game schedule. But they're not going to end the season. Yeah, zero seventy-seven and five. <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, 
they're gonna win some games, not a lot. Um, but uh, yeah. So I they 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 definitely. I mean, what? Okay, I guess I guess the better better way to answer it is um, and let's go back to a question that 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 we answered earlier about the over under. Um, so how many mm-hmm. points do you think the Sharks end up with? Forty eight. Forty eight. Okay. Yeah, that's my answer. Forty-eight. Okay. And, and honestly, all my predictions except for a couple have been wrong so far, including of course, all predictions are wrong. <laughs> including, I said the Sharks would win their next game, and they had a historic loss, <laughs> which was my best prediction I've ever created. I was like, "Oh, they're going to win their next game, Vancouver." I'm actually, uh, I'm going to look this up because I wonder in the in the in the cap era, or maybe we can go mm. back to the show. I'm just going to look in the cap era because it's simpler. Um, sure. what is the, is it the, is it the, like, I think the Avs may have had 48 points, right? Are they the worst, a uh, single is season record? Buffalo? Oh, maybe Buffalo. Buffalo. I think you might be around Buffalo. Let's quick look at, uh, I pull this up at, oh, okay. I can't, uh, yeah. Don't count the shortened seasons too. So a full 82 game season, um, the worst record is. No, I think it is caught. Wait, let me see. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I have too many of the fifth, the, the COVID seasons here mixed into the, <laughs> the, the stats. But it is Colorado with uh, 48 points in 2016-17. Yeah, so that's that's so that's so you're saying that the the Sharks are going to match that record. Uh, Detroit was pretty close, but uh, they uh, played 71 games in the it's season that was shortened by COVID mm-hmm. uh, and had 39 points. So they were definitely uh, in the race for that. Um, Jeez. But, Anyway, um, I think they clear 50, Okay, but I mean, I'm an optimist. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I predict the structure has 70 points and I know people are laughing. I've, I've seen people comment on that. I honestly, again, had no backup for, for that reasoning. I just said I had a, a gut feeling. So yeah. obviously my gut feelings are shit, but like, I wasn't well, like, I wasn't was like strenuously response. arguing that, that this was a yeah. 70 point team though. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah. And I, and even then, that's still a really shitty non-playoff team. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I, I, I think they they managed to clear to clear fifty, and they they stopped getting embarrassed like this, like on a nightly basis. Obviously, there's seventy one games left, so even if they turn the ship around, so to speak, and get to fifty points, they're still gonna get mm-hmm. shit kicked a couple times along the way, right? But it just won't sure. be. I mean, there's been like I four games this year where uh, they've been absolutely blown out. Um, the Tampa Tampa Bay game, obviously, that they lost six to zero. In addition to these two that just happened, but also too underrated is the Carolina game at home that they lost six to three. That they really could have lost nine to three if it wasn't for Mackenzie Blackwood. So those are the four games that they have been absolutely pummeled in, and that's what eleven. 11 games uh you can maybe count the colorado game where blackwood made 51 saves but i'll give that a pass because sure they got the point and i think they played hard in that game they weren't as quite as lost uh in some of these other games but anyway so uh so yeah so i i i think they'll clear 50 um you say 48 so um 48 right on the money (laughs) all right uh let's end end here with uh sj shorkey uh, I like I like your name. That's that's a funny one. And thank you also, SJ. I noticed that you comment a lot on the site, so thank you, uh, thank you again for for doing that. I really appreciate that. Um, and everyone listening, 
I really love comments on, on, on the sites. I'm trying, I, I am trying to build that up. It's a, one of my many things I need to do more of. And so please, uh, please comment. And I will try to do my best to, to, to reply and be in on it. I know I don't do as good a job as I want at, at that, but I will say just so everyone knows that, uh, the first place I do, I'm likely to comment over anything is going to be on my, on, on, on the website, uh, uh, over X or Twitter. Sometimes on X or Twitter, I'll answer a few questions just because, they're just direct questions. And so, so yeah, if you ask me a direct question on the site, chances are I'll answer it. And so, um, so anyway, so please, I encourage you guys to do that. I really appreciate it. Those of you who do, but anyway, SJ's question to wrap up is what if Hasa decides he want, doesn't want to go to this level of suck in his twilight years and cleans house or sells the team. Now we've talked about the cleaning house part. So sure. Hasso selling the team. Um, and so, like I said, uh, we've run the entire gamut of the entire organization, their job security from media, yeah. me, uh, John McCarthy to David Quinn, to Mike Greer, to Jonathan Becker, to Hasso plot to the entire sharks as a concept in San Jose. <laughs> Jeez. These, these losses make you think they, mainly they make, make you, you think yeah. a lot. <laughs> the, the existence, the entire existence of the sharks in san jose yeah, yeah. I, uh, I honestly it was really deep in thought after many of these losses. <laughs> but anyway with hasso as far as i understand it and no one ever talks with hasso uh besides jonathan becker apparently so we don't really know uh but um he loves the sharks he he does care uh, he has always allowed the teams to spend to the cap. Maybe even this year, they're pretty close to the cap with this god awful team because they took on more salary in the in the Carlson trade. Um, anyway, um, so he he cares. Uh, so I don't I don't think I don't think he will. I, I think I think that uh, he's going to write us out. And and he hired Mike Greer. I think he believes in Mike Greer's plan. Um, at least on this podcast, uh, we agree that Mike Greer's plan is a good, valid plan. Uh, it's just a question of the execution, right? And um, so if Mike can, it's been 11 oh, awful games, <laughs> awful games. I, 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 you know, awful games overall. But um, if Mike can stick to execution along with David Quinn and the players for the rest of the season, and again, it's just to be competitive uh, and get a high draft pick. If you can do that, then slowly but surely. And of course, the next part of it is is hitting your draft picks, right? If they start to do that, then 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 they're gonna get they're gonna get get back to a good place, and uh, and that and that good place will make Hasso happy, and that's where Hasso's trying to get to. And so um, I'm not seeing it now. I mean, it could happen, right? Like, let's say worst case scenario, this team keeps bottoming out. They're horrible. Um, Maybe Mike survives when we get to that 2025, 20, 26 plan that I talked about, that kind of area where that's where you, you start to spend some money. Let's well, say so you get to that point and you find out that, man, William Eklund's just a 30 point player. Um, a lot of these other guys aren't very good. Shakira Mukumadulin's a, a top four defenseman on a bad team. He's not actually a top four defenseman. Things like mm -hmm. that, right? You've just learned all these young pieces that you accrued are, you've, you've drafted poorly. You've had faith in the wrong guys, and all blows. And in that case, right, and it's really, really ugly. And and, and it, 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 the, the things I just said, if that's what happens, then then you're in for more years of darkness. Uh, maybe that'll make uh, Hasso reconsider for sure. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know, but uh, but something like that though, maybe it could. But uh, short of something like that though, I mean, yeah, I, I think I think as far as everything I've heard, he loves the sharks. 
Uh, he wants to see them succeed. And he, I think, has realized that it's not going to come through, um, you know, sticking with 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 the the last vestiges of uh, of the Doug Wilson era. That they've got to do something new, and something painful and rebuilding. And as we're seeing it, they're doing it. And so, uh, can Mike Greer stick the landing? Execute if he does, then yeah, then yeah, the hustle is is going to be thrilled. Um, yeah, I have I have no comments. Not gonna happen. Sharks are here forever. That's my answer. <laughs> it's time to go. Time to go to bed, everybody. It has yeah. uh, been a long episode. Um, thank you, everybody, for for all your questions. Your yeah. Um, thank you for sticking your- sticking through uh, through all this with us uh, on the podcast on the website for subscribing uh, through. Um, apparently, we didn't know this. Apparently, the leanest years <laughs> in Sharks history. Yeah, we really picked a time to start this. We couldn't do like I don't know. Height of the playoffs, like during the reverse sweep, or the yeah, it was a rough time, (laughs) but not as rough as this. Not as rough as this, though. Yeah, so you thought those were bad times. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And John V, you did get a banner. I added you one right there. Oh, nice. Hey, there you go. This is for you, John V. All right. Goodbye, everybody.